Podmortem would like to thank Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Original Cinematic is a production company that has made it their mission to create, produce, and promote films that are inclusive, honor women, promote the LGBTQIA community, and provide prominent positions and roles to POC actors and filmmakers, and promote the films of marginalized and underrepresented populations. These are all things that are extremely important to our podcast as well. Original Cinematic is proud to be a WGA signatory company, and they fully stand by the WGA and its members in their fight for extremely reasonable standards. Accordingly, they are not accepting scripts or treatment submissions at this time, but both William and Zena Rush are available via email free of charge to discuss writing and provide input and resources to all aspiring writers. This information will be made available in the show notes. Ahead of the strike, William Rush has individually produced numerous projects, including Coffee with Baba, Day by Day, They Slay, Before, Pack is Here, Abiquiu, The Winemaker, and Where Do You Draw the Line? Two feature films, Group and Immersion, are slated for release this fall. Absolutely no picket lines will be crossed and no collective bargaining agreements will be violated in the making of either of these films. And very generously, Original Cinematic is providing all Podmortem patrons with a special link to view these films. If arrangements can be made, they will even schedule a virtual or in-person screening for our patrons. We cannot thank Original Cinematic enough for their contribution to our show and the horror community as a whole. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Salutations! Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from a precarious ledge discussing the 1985 horror anthology, Cat's Eye. This film was directed by Louis Teague and written by Stephen King. Cat's Eye features two entries from the Stephen King short story collection, Night Shift, and one original entry written just for the film. Interwoven with the frame story of a hero cat, the anthology is loosely connected, but each entry explores a different fear. Despite this, the film does not shy away from humor or camp, cementing it as a favorite in the genre of 80s anthologies for many horror fans. This film was suggested to us by friends of the show, TJ Bronson and Gory Bits. We want to thank them so much for their support as well as this suggestion. This film was also the winner of our August Patreon poll. So thank you to all of our patrons who participated and voted. If you want to help us pick an episode, join us over on the Patreon at patreon.com slash the podmortem. So what did you guys think about Cat's Eye the first time you saw it? I think I was like six, so I don't remember. (laughs) But uh, I did remember bits and pieces of the movie. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't seen this since I was small, small. Um, And then watching it for the show, I remember the ending segment. The beginning, I did remember bits and pieces once we got in, once I got into it. But the middle, I remembered, like, I'm not even gonna lie to you, barely any of it. (laughs) I don't know why, but like that, I, I don't remember a lot of it. 
but watching it, I I did enjoy, I did enjoy this movie. There was there was times when I was kind of confused because um, I figured that I would like absolutely love this movie, mm-hmm. and I and don't get me wrong, I do. I I really enjoyed it, but if it, it was at times it felt it felt a little weird. Like I I don't know what it was, but the if the tone was off for me or if I was just receiving it wrong. Um, but I, I did enjoy this movie. It's a fucking Stephen King anthology. Yeah. You know what I mean? What's not to love about it? I definitely remember watching this as a kid a lot, mm-hmm. but it was, it was never to the point of how much we watched creep show. Yeah. yeah. And so this one, it's, it's special in its own way, but it, it doesn't reach that height for me. Okay. But there is a bit of nostalgia watching it and going back to watch it for the show. Mm-hmm. But, I, I think that each each segment is interesting. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will say that the choice, and we talked about this a little bit this morning off mic, the choices of the stories in this anthology yeah. have really no connection at all yeah. <laughs> in any way it's, thematically. It's loose. Because <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about, and it's probably unfair to compare it to a film like Creep Show, mm-hmm. where everything seems to flow a little bit better, but mm-hmm. you're like, okay, so this one's going to be about smoking and then a man has to walk <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on a ledge and then maybe uh, some kind of fight at the end of the, you know so it's just i don't want to give away too much but yeah. it's uh it's it's wild yeah um <laughs> i think my my major complaint is probably that because it really does feel like a lot of just you know well why don't we just do that one let's mm-hmm. just throw that one in here yeah. yeah um and my other major complaint is that that cat deserved more prominent billing yeah (laughs) this is true i tried and and i could not find we will get into it later more about the cat Mm -hmm. or cats yeah but i couldn't find any names for the the cats used in the movie which is surprising yeah because i know that there were a lot of films in this era where dogs would get credited yeah like mushroom yeah yeah the, our favorite yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i do enjoy it is it's, uh even with its uh flaws right yeah um yeah like you said we watched this a lot as kids and i'll agree it is not creep show but it is still comforting mm-hmm. it's still a fun movie um we were talking earlier <laughs> about the fact that it's it almost feels like a gateway horror film in a right. lot of ways um, I didn't realize as a kid, you know, why would I even think about this? But that it is rated PG-13. But there are a couple outlying situations in this where we were like, really? A, yeah. <laughs> in a, a PG-13 rated film? Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I just think that it's a lot of fun. I think um, aside from, again, a couple a couple outstanding um, situations, mm-hmm. it could be a film to show maybe not 2023 kids because they're that's fake or whatever but you know it, it is a a fun anthology to watch like as a family i yeah. think i know that we did mm-hmm. um and i just love drew barrymore we got a little drew barrymore she's so adorable yeah. i love her i i just love her <laughs> and speaking of her i did want to talk a little bit about how this like even came to be um when they were doing firestarter Dino De Laurentiis was so impressed with Drew Barrymore that he had told Stephen King, the next thing you write needs to be something for her. Oh, shit. And he was like, okay. He hadn't written it yet, but he had an idea 
for a story with a little boy who I won't give anything away because (laughs) (laughs) it's basically the final chapter of this. But he was like, I'll make it a little girl. And he went home and wrote and he came back with 15 pages the next day. Mm -hmm. And so um, he was like, "Okay, you know, then it became like an anthology situation. And they decided to pick stories from Night Shift. Again, there is no cohesive theme (laughs) (laughs) in these stories and sometimes they come back was going to be included as well okay but they it was going to be four stories but they cut it and they were like no that can be its own film which later it was um but the rights to the ledge and quitters inc were in the possession of milton sabotsky from amicus wow who did vault of horror yeah um and Dino De Laurentiis <laughs> obtained the rights from him because he said that Amicus making these Stephen King stories would be worse than them never getting made at all. Dino? Jeez. Yeah. Dino, I'm pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Damn. Dude, I, I love me some Amicus. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, he he it was not kind from what I read. But it is funny to me. He, I guess the stipulation was that he was listed as a co-producer. So he is a co-producer on Cat's Eye. <laughs> but he, if you look at his credits, you know, obviously it's this Maximum Overdrive, The Lawnmower Man, Sometimes They Come Back, like even film, because he had all the rights to those yeah. and I guess gave them away and was like, but let me wet my beak a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but he picked, he picked the worst one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that was another thing. Um, Stephen King was a little hesitant. Uh, you know, because on paper, this is pretty ridiculous. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he was a little hesitant, but he, I don't know if Dino De Laurentiis kind of dangled this in front of him, but it is what it kind of sounded like was maybe, you know, you do this and maybe one day you get to direct your own. And he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maximum overdrive right (laughs) from everything it it seems like that it's kind of a straight line between cat's eye and that it was like you do this and you get to do that it was literally the next year you know really yeah Yeah. so um (laughs) you know (laughs) he he said that he didn't want to be a director he just wanted to do one of his adaptations and he did that yeah he's like well now that i've done it (laughs) have you seen maximum (laughs) (laughs) he did what he set out to do and i love that for him so moving (laughs) (laughs) on yeah they did get (laughs) they got lewis teague who also did cujo yeah and he did alligator as well okay and so I saw or I read an interview with him that he had said at the time he was not interested in doing dark films because Cujo is quite dark. Yeah. And he was he felt like he was being kind of put into, well, pigeonholed. Yeah. In animal films. Right. You know, uh, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> I look. It's a dog and a bird. They're not. even. <laughs> it's animal films. All right. Um, And so he wasn't interested because, again, you have. And it, this is very. um light on, yeah, on, right. on the horror but it is billed as a horror anthology and it's called cat's eye so i'm sure when it landed on his desk he was like i'm fine right. no Wait, what is this but, like, yeah. i just did the dog movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he said that um he read the script and uh felt like it was a lot of fun um i feel like he had a good time with the frame story and there was a prologue um that got cut okay and it's pretty it's pretty wild. 
<laughs> he described it on commentary, and I was like, "That's ghastly. Yeah. That's, that's wild." Well, I can't wait to hear the. You wanted to start the film? Yeah, first? I feel like we should wait um, till maybe the final story to yes. talk about okay, the prologue okay. because it, it does tie in, right? Uh, and John Paul, it's funny before off mic. You had mentioned that the frame story isn't really a frame story. It's just the last story. Yeah. <laughs> it's the road to it. it yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened here. <laughs> but it was just kind of interesting to see how this film got made. Because again, on paper, it's it's pretty wild. <laughs> the way that the stories are strung together. It's very funny. Um, and as a kid, I didn't really register. There's no theme here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no. you're just watching it and there's a cat and it's cool and all this crazy shit's happening. But as an adult, I'm like, oh, y'all really just found it. <laughs> like, yeah. But they found a way to do it. They found a way to to weave them. They, yeah. Well, as an adult, it really does feel like, <laughs> I guess we could do the ledge. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I guess that could fit. And, uh, well, sure. We, we got the rights to the yeah. ledge. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Now, before we steal this film's breath, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmorm is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's take a smoke break. The film opens on an extreme close-up of a cat's closed eye. Has there <laughs> ever been a better opening sequence? Never. <laughs> the answer is no? No. no. A heart beats rhythmically as tense music plays and we get the words Stephen King's and once it goes away, the cat's eye opens, <laughs> huge and green. In front of it in white text, we get the title Cat's Eye and then we zoom in on the eye. <laughs> on the cat's eye. Yes. On the cat's yeah. eye. I don't know why, but the double possessive is really kind of funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is Stephen King's cat's, cat's eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I will say that as the credits continue, it says cast in order of appearance. Mm -hmm. And I was very upset that it wasn't like whiskers or yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. like he gets nothing. I went yeah. looking, but I mean, we'll talk about the cat situation. <laughs> in <a second. laughs> but in a neighborhood, a tabby tomcat runs along a brick wall. He hops down to the sidewalk and runs along a fence chasing a butterfly. Suddenly, as he nears the open doors of the fence, we hear the growling of an angry dog. The dog is a dirty and mean and possibly rabid St. Bernard, <laughs> who looks pretty familiar. Yes, indeed. Don't. <laughs> You're looking at it's me. Cujo. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, they said on commentary that this is one of the dogs that played Cujo. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. And Louis Teague did. Yeah. He's like, I know this dog. <laughs> <laughs> I can get him pretty cheap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but as soon as the dog sees our cat, he races after him. The cat runs, narrowly avoiding being hit by a red car that looks a lot like Christine. And I say it looks like Christine, but when the car pulls away, we see the bumper stickers. Rock and roll will never die, <laughs> which is fine. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> what else, Nay? What does the other one say? <laughs> Watch out for me. Mm -hmm. I am pure evil. Right. I am Christine. <laughs> I was like, fuck off. Like, I was so upset. It's like if the dog had a name tag that said Cujo on it. It's like, just let us enjoy these references, man. I I kind of see right now, I like this. Really? This because silly shit. Because for me, this is the opening kind of, I feel like, creep show. 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, oh, look at all of my tells. This is, you know, this is what you're coming into, all these stories. Okay, cool. For sure, but we would have recognized it. No, 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 yeah. (laughs) We didn't didn't need the stick. No, and I think think I'm with you because I love it, but then that to me is like, well, I'm not actually Christina. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so I'm like, oh, I guess it isn't. It's not anything to do with anything. (laughs) Christina doesn't need to tell you. She's Christina. No, by the way. Oh, God, it killed me. I was like, come on. Yeah, dude. You had me. The music is hectic as the dog continues to chase the cat, but he is fooled when the cat jumps into a trash can and hides. The dog continues running and searching, but when the cat thinks it's safe to come out and continue to run, the dog sees him and the chase ensues again. The cat checking to see if the coast was clear. That was amazing. It's this is like some of the most adorable <laughs> things I've ever seen. It, it is. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I did read that for the cat. 12, 12 cats were used. That's why. And that they reinforced, like, if the cat was doing what they wanted it to do, they gave it treats. And then the cat would get full and stop performing because it was like, I don't fucking need you yeah. anymore. Uh-huh. And so they would just swap it out. With the <laughs> <laughs> they, talked, they talked about that on commentary because they were saying how much easier it is to work with dogs. Right, right. They say dogs perform to kind of gain the approval of. Yeah. yeah. But the cat's like, I'm going to do whatever <laughs> I want. Cats don't give a fuck. I'm full. Yeah. So get another fucking cat. <laughs> I'm not prancing on this wall. It's just not fucking. Ha- I'm not checking to see if the coast is. <laughs> I will not chase the butterfly <laughs> yeah. without a treat in my mouth. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> the the guy responsible for it, Carl Lewis Miller, he uh-huh. did a really good job with all twelve cats. Yes. yes. Anybody helping him too, because cats, if if cats owner, you know cats do whatever the fuck they yes. want. Yes. So them having a team or even just him being able to do that and wrangle these cats and get them to kind of follow command, mm-hmm. even with just the snacks. Yeah. That's gotta be tough work. Yeah. Because a cat doesn't give a shit. No, and he had a lot of experience. Yeah. He did uh, Babe and Babe Bruce Almighty. That's wild. Oh, yeah. shit. I forgot there were animals in that, right? Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, like completely. Yeah, I was like, That's okay, hilarious. this is uh, Jim Carrey in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, there is animals. <laughs> in the city. In the city. <laughs> but the cat hides under an overturned boat. And when the dog can't quite get to him, he runs through the other side into a nearby tobacco distribution warehouse. Men load up a truck and the dog gets wise just as it drives away. Cujo looks confused, peering at the boxes left behind. But we see that our cat made it out safe and sound in the back of the truck. The music is triumphant (laughs) and then playful as the truck continues over a bridge and down a street. As soon as someone opens the door to unload, he runs out. I will say when we get to talk about the prologue later, this cat's already had a day. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just wild that he's like, <laughs> he's like trying to get his mind right. He's like, oh shit. He's got to run from this. He was decompressing, chasing yeah. that yeah. butterfly. Yes. <laughs> that is heartbreaking. <laughs> he was trying to ground himself. <laughs> yeah. You you did mention a triumphant theme, mm-hmm. uh, which comes into play a lot oh later. Oh my oh, yeah. God. John Paul mentioned it and I can't, it's the, I I couldn't stop laughing doing the script. <laughs> no, it's it's a lot. Uh, but I did want to talk about the composer of the film. Okay, we talk about quite often on this show, mm-hmm. Alan Silvestri. Okay, he is known for working a lot with Zemeckis and Spielberg. All right, we talked about him on Death Becomes Her, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about him. I think didn't he do What Lies Beneath as well? Yeah, oh, I sure. think so. And I think he scored Identity. <laughs> okay, love it. But they got him 
fairly early in his career for Cat's Eye. Okay. And so he was a lot cheaper than if he had, they had gotten him. Because I think he did Back to the Future after yeah. this. Really? Yeah. And I think that's when it kind of was like, yeah. Yeah. You're Alan Silvestri. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, the fact that it was mostly an electronic score as well, you don't have to worry about an orchestra. Yeah. It was a lot cheaper too. And there were a lot of cost-cutting things that Dino De Laurentiis was like, yes, please. <laughs> 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 and that was one of them. He's an early version Jason Blum, huh? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's like one million, you said? Yeah. What'd, you, what'd you just say? <laughs> Out of the bushes. Yeah. <laughs> but we are now in the story of Quitters Inc. or Quitters Incorporated. And text on screen identifies the setting as New York City. The cat sits on the sidewalk under the window of a store watching people walk by. Out of nowhere, he hears the voice of a little girl asking for help. The cat looks up at the store window to find the mannequin of a child. Her head is replaced with that of our girl, played by a very young Drew Barrymore. Now, <laughs> this <laughs> this cat's powers are never explained. Never yeah, explained. I, I, I did. I, I also wondered, though, does Drew Barrymore have the shine? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, just... We all got a little Sean. <laughs> we have Sean in us. Yeah, yeah. That's right. The talk more talk reference. Yeah. Join us on Patreon. Take a shot, um, though. <laughs> yes. I Because, yeah, if if this is purely the cat sensing this yeah. <laughs> and not some kind of... I don't know. <laughs> this is where I kind of went a little head sideways. I was like, what's happening? What? Well, because even the cat has disbelieved. He's it's like, like, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? He's like, holy <laughs> shit. Dude, it's been a... I, I need to get some water. Yeah. <laughs> really Give me a saucer time. of milk, please. I should not be hallucinating a child. I know they want us to imagine ourselves on these mannequins. Yeah. <laughs> but this, this is, is a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> That's not me. It is funny to me, though, that as a kid, I was just like, you got to go help her, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't even question. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's just another kid. Yeah. 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 Save her. <laughs> but she pleads with the cat for help, telling him to find it because it is after her. The cat is in awe of what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to think maybe that is what they're trying to imply with the title Cat's Eye. Mm-hmm. That this cat has some kind of special power. Oh, I thought it was that the cat sees all the shit. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm a part of all of this. <laughs> he is. He's almost like Forrest Gump. And yeah, yeah. No, literally. <laughs> he met JFK. Yeah, he had that to pee. scene got cut. Yeah, he did have to, he did have to pee. <laughs> and he likes to run. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and we <laughs> we learn that. Yes. <laughs> we do learn that. But the cat even stands on his legs and puts his front paws on the windowsill. She continues to ask him to find it when a man pulls up and stops his car. This is Junk, played by Tony Manafo. So on commentary, Louis Teague said that this actor mm-hmm. was also at the time Sylvester Stallone's bodyguard. What? That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know why you don't think of Stallone needing a bodyguard. No. It just seems surprising because, I don't know, it just doesn't seem right at all. (laughs) No, and, well, I guess he's like the mini boss before (laughs) Stallone. (laughs) You got to get through me. (laughs) (laughs) But Junk gets out of the car with a pet carrier and comes right toward our cat. But the cat's focus is still on the girl in the window, and he's defenseless when Junk comes and scoops him up. 
Junk is grateful, telling the cat that he saved him a trip to the pound, then pauses to look at the child mannequin. He asks what the cat is so excited about before putting him in the carrier, cackling like a villain. <laughs> what if he's this? What if the cat's the boss? And he's like, no, boss, come on. You yeah. got to take you back. You can't wander around like that. <laughs> well, in this version of the film, we don't really have an origin story. No, yeah, cat. no. at all. I'll t- he owns, yeah. he owns uh, Quitters, Inc. Yeah. yeah. That's why he's got the abilities. Yes. That the makes, eye. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. It checks out. But instead of going back to his car, he walks across the street and goes into a building. Another car pulls up. The driver, Jim McCann, played by Court Miller, tells the passenger, Dick Morrison, played by James Woods, that this is the place. If it isn't scumbag piece of shit, James, James Woods. Woods. Yeah, isn't he the cartoon from Family Guy? I yes. believe so. <laughs> that guy? They it brought him to life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Simpsons did it first. Yes. Oh, yeah, when yeah. he worked at the Quickie Mart. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, sure did. But Dick is immediately reluctant, saying that he doesn't know about this until Jim reminds him that he said he wanted to quit smoking. Dick literally has a cigarette between his fingers as he protests, but Jim isn't trying to hear it. He rips the cigarette from his hand and tosses it out the window, telling him to go now before he loses his guts. Dick asks if Jim will at least come inside with him, but Jim tells him that it doesn't work that way. It's against the rules. Dick chuckles, asking if this is a quit smoking clinic or the CIA, but Jim gives him nothing. I do want to talk later about Jim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, yeah, we have a lot of... We yeah. have, <laughs> I, I have thoughts. <laughs> I think, and that, that also bothers me as far as like friendship is concerned. Right. Because he's, he's clearly nervous asking that kind of a question, is this a quit smoking thing or the CIA? And he's just like, get out of my car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can you give me any level of support at all? No. Like, I'm late for work. Get the fuck out. Get the yeah. fuck out. <laughs> You're lucky I drove you. Yeah. <laughs> Dick finally gets out of the car and Jim promises him that this is going to turn his life around. He personally guarantees it. Before closing the door, Dick quips that that's what Jim Jones said before he spiked the punch. He gives a cheeky wave before heading into the building. Jim looks after him, looking a bit nervous, and shakes his head before starting his car. Now, I had a theory mm-hmm. watching it because I watched this a few years ago, but it's almost like a I've seen it so many times, it's not a like, oh, what's like, let's pay attention to the beats of the story or whatever. So, watching it this time critically, I was like, oh, I don't remember that, but that's got to come into play. And it doesn't. Yeah. But we'll talk about it later. All right. We see the cat inside the building, standing on a metal grate floor. Dick walks inside glass doors marked Quitters, Inc., The Final Solution. He passes a man sitting in the waiting area, sobbing with his head in his hands. This is Mr. Milk Toast, played by Russell Horton. Dick gets paperwork from the receptionist to fill out and takes a seat himself. All he has done so far is write his name, and he absently takes a pack of cigarettes from his suit jacket, taps the cigarette, and sets it in his mouth. He looks around for an ashtray before his eyes settle on two framed anti-smoking posters on the wall, and he turns around to find three more behind him. It's like, do you know where you are, dude? Literally. (laughs) Mr. Milktoast has stopped his crying and looks up at Dick, but when he settles back around in his seat and the man sees the cigarette dangling from his lips, he buries his head in his hands again and the sobbing continues. Dick looks over at the receptionist, who is busy with her work, and confused, takes a cigarette out of his mouth. He watches as Mr. Milktoast tries desperately to compose himself and begins to focus back on the paperwork. I do want to say, 
excellent logo and branding mm. here at Quitters Inc. Yeah. yeah. That cue with that no smoking, that's genius. It's really good. <laughs> it's really good. Really good. Somebody should really get on that. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, the door opens to reveal Mrs. Milk Toast, played by Patricia Benson. Her clothes and hair are ragged, and she looks pained as she limps into the waiting area. Junk smiles behind her before disappearing back behind the door. Mr. Milk Toast rushes to his wife, but is met with the barrage of hits from her purse. She sobs, fighting him, before finally succumbing to his hug and reassurance that everything will be fine. So I know I just said that somebody needs to get on this. I don't mean like this. Not like oh, this. No, yeah. <laughs> a different <laughs> because, business model. <laughs> yeah, this is horrible what we learn. Yeah. yeah. In the form of an explanation, Mr. Milk Toast looks over at Dick as he leads his wife to the door, offering that he's been smoking for a long time, ever since he was 16, and it's very hard. Continuing to reassure her, he leads his wife out of the room. Promptly, Dick decides that he's out, which I did appreciate because so the fuck would I. Mm -hmm. I was honestly surprised. Yeah. yeah. He goes to the receptionist to return his paperwork. I would have just walked the fuck out, but... He tells her that he's changed his mind, but he's intercepted by Dr. Vinny Donati, played by Alan King, who takes the paper from him. So you would have just stolen the clipboard is what you're saying to me? Uh, I would have left it in the chair. <laughs> okay, no, I would have taken my paper, left the clipboard, and broke out. <laughs> <laughs> Donati shakes his hand and apologizes for keeping Dick waiting. But when Dick tries to explain he was just leaving, Donati's not trying to hear it. He leads him back to his office, promising that he is about to change his life. Dick comments that he hopes it's for the better, and the two just chuckle. That's terrible. It's for the better, yeah. right? <laughs> right? It's the Anakin meme. With yes! Yeah. <laughs> In the dark office, Dick points to a framed portrait of a man set between two of the anti-smoking posters from the lobby. Donati doesn't pay this any mind and tells Dick to take a seat as he opens his blinds, letting in sunlight. He sits down at his desk across from Dick and looks over the paper he filled out. He comments that he sees he has a 10-year-old daughter, and Dick confirms this, saying that his daughter's name is Alicia. When Donati comments that Dick didn't fill out where his daughter goes to school, Dick counters that he doesn't really think that has anything to do with whether this organization can help him quit smoking, and he's right. This mm. is a such a huge cause for concern. Yes, yeah, I wouldn't have even said her name. No. He's like, oh, Alicia? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want her social? <laughs> when this is just met with silence, Dick nervously asks if they're going to get down to it or not. Donati agrees, saying that they've already started. So I wanted to talk just a little bit about the cinematographer of this film. Mm -hmm. I was kind of surprised. there for For how prolific this cinematographer is... There really isn't a lot in this film that you're like, this is excellent cinematography. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised. You do have this scene here with the lighting of the blinds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a very interesting way to frame it. The cinematographer was Jack Cardiff, who has been working in film since the 1930s. Holy Damn. shit. Um, he was more prolific in the early parts of his career in British film. Okay. And then he eventually started making American films as well. But he won an Oscar in 1947. Mm -hmm. He won an honorary Oscar in 2000. Whoa. <laughs> he worked. He has a series of photographs that he did with Marilyn Monroe. Oh, wow. She preferred him as her photographer. Okay. Wow. Okay. And the foreword of his autobiography was written by Martin Scorsese. Holy Damn. shit. So I'm very shocked yeah. that 
it just was very surprising to me. Yeah. That are all that, and then yeah, and then we're like, well, the shot with the blinds looks good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was talking. Uh, Louis Teague was saying that he he was such an old school photographer. Okay, that whenever he would set up his shots, he would have it perfect, and if there were any modifications that Teague wanted, it would infuriate him. Oh, because he's like, I've got everything perfect, and you want to move a chair? It's kind of like that. Oh. Yeah, and so he said it was amazing to work with him but difficult to work with him i yeah. bet maybe uh dino de Laurentiis was like i'm giving you a hundred bucks and then just you can yeah. go home <laughs> <laughs> then you have a good day <laughs> <laughs> donati hits a button on his desk that loudly locks the door to his office that would be terrifying yeah the every yeah anytime i think of something like this I just think there's a scene in Bronx in a Bronx tell where these guys go in a bar and they're bothering them and the guy asks them to leave. They don't want to leave. Mm. So he goes and locks the door and he says, now you can't leave. Oh, as like, dude, why did you lock that door? I didn't tell you to lock that door. That no. movie is so good. It's like, we should have yeah. left. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. You fucked up. Yeah. When you had yeah. the chance. <laughs> but Donati asked Dick if he has cigarettes on him and Dick laughs asking if a bear shits in the woods Donati asks for them and Dick presents the pack. Donati slices it open and lets the cigarettes fall onto his desk. Out of nowhere, his calm demeanor breaks and he begins to scream, smashing the cigarettes with his fists and ripping them into shreds. Like, this guy really hates cigarettes. Huh? Yeah, really? you didn't have to Hulk smash my cigarettes, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you. He's lucky that he's already locked the door because I'd be like, goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah no, that's too much. And right, you have enough, a good day. Bro. Yeah, you've lost me. You can't help me, sir. <laughs> If this you is need your, these are your methods to punch my cigarettes? Yeah. No shit. Fuck this. I'm out of here. Right. See what I do to your cigarettes? Yeah. Like, hey, whoa. <laughs> but Donati clears the remnants from his desk and sits down, fingers folded and calm again. He warns Dick that their methods here at Quitters Incorporated are radical. Dick comments that they suck, citing a newsstand downstairs that sells every brand. But Donati says that availability is only part of the problem. He says that the fallback rate for cigarette smokers is higher than that of even heroin addicts. Dick rises to his feet, imploring Donati to stop with the Reader's Digest lecture because he's changed his mind. He goes over to the door, but of course, it's locked. Did like, you? We, yeah. We that well, there was a really, really small reaction to that happening earlier. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that would have been where the meeting ended. Maybe no, he was no, like, yeah. sure, there's no fucking way. Yeah, he didn't just lock the door. Yeah. <laughs> he must have just ordered a sandwich or something. Yeah. <laughs> that must be what that button does. But where is the sandwich? Yeah. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> the door's locked. Let me go get that sandwich first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me help you out. And you said on rye? <laughs> he continues trying to open the door and asks Donati to unlock it. But Donati ignores him. He tells Dick that he's got a hell of a problem. But Quitters Incorporated has developed a hell of a solution. Dick threatens that they're going to develop a hell of a problem with his lawyer if he doesn't open the door. <laughs> Donati keeps his composure as he rises to his feet. He tells Dick to relax because he has something that might interest him. He takes a controller and presses a button, opening the curtains on the wall. Inside, through the glass window that appears, is the cat in the room with the metal grate floors and steel walls eating out of a bowl. 
so honestly, I'd be like, yeah, I am interested. Yeah. <laughs> a cat? Why didn't you say that when I got in here? Should have led with the cat. Yeah. No. <laughs> Putting on a magician's act, Donati tells him that he'll notice there's nothing up his sleeves, and at no time does his hand leave his wrist. He presses a button on the controller, and Twist and Shout begins to play. As soon as the music starts, the cat jumps in fear. Donati explains that the music is part of the cat's conditioning. He invites the cat to boogie down and electric sparks begin to fly from the metal floor. The cat jumps up every time its paws hit the floor. He is shocked again and again, bouncing up and down and hitting the walls. So on commentary, they talked about how they did this. Mm -hmm. The cat, it was just little puffs of air that were frightening the cat. Yeah. Which is also not very cool to do. No. It's not, but I mean, it's better than what we're seeing. (laughs) But it was just funny the way that you're telling it on the commentary that you're like, now don't worry, we didn't shock this cat. Yeah. We just scared the shit out (laughs) of it. (laughs) Oh, my God, this poor cat, these poor 12 cats. (laughs) And I do want to say this this, uh, twist and shout, um... Look, this is the beginning of a lot of licensed but not actual music. Yeah. yeah. Because the subtitles will try to tell you that it's the Isley Brothers. No, the fuck it is yeah, not. Yeah, that's why I not. did not include an artist. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I know it's the Isley Brothers. Yeah. That's not what that <laughs> I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's more egregious. Oh, in a yeah. Bit. Yeah. It's like, is this a friend of yours? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got a guy. Hey, can you. <laughs> <laughs> But Donati watches this with delight. Dick is disgusted. He lunges at Donati, trying to take control of the remote, insisting that he's going to kill the cat. Well, if you're Dick, you're kind of like, uh, first of all, what does this have to do with my smoking? Yeah. yeah. And second of all, you said I would enjoy this? Yeah, no yeah. shit. Who do you think I am? Where's that sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That that is true. What what does any of this have to do with what the fuck you're talking about? And the door's still locked, dude. Because like I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this would only just concern me more. Like I just, I mean, I don't know. There's a window here. You can no, yeah. dive out of it. <laughs> <laughs> what story are they on? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet there's a ledge on the side of the building. Like, no. Foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Donati puts Dick's arm in a hold, though, and turns off the music and the electricity. He assures him that although the cat may be a little crispy around the paws, he's not going to be killed. That description is hurtful. I don't like it. Yeah, I hate it. He leads him back to the chair at his desk, and Dick sits down. Dick tells him that he can barbecue all the cats he wants, but if he's not out of here in 15 seconds, he's calling the cops faster than Donati can say Marlboro Man. Wait, so he's fine with this? Yeah. <laughs> he was physically fighting him a second ago, yeah. and I was like, yeah, I'll kill the cat. I don't, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> me, though. Me, me, me. Donati tells him that he needs to focus on the big picture. Indicating the framed photo on the wall, he tells Dick that Quitters Incorporated was endowed by a very important man. And when he died of lung cancer, they realized that there were certain techniques that he had developed that can be used to stop people from smoking. I just want to say that these techniques, the, using the word developed is yeah. wild. Yeah, that's not. This isn't some kind of breakthrough treatment. Yeah. Or any kind not of. Not at all cognitive therapy. Therapy. No. <laughs> it's, it's literally, it's threat. It's th- yeah, it's the worst shit. It's yeah. It's yeah. violence. <laughs> He admits that it's a nice tax gimmick, but they're really just trying to help. 
He tells Dick that for the first month of the program, he will be under constant supervision. He may see some of them all of the time, or he may see all of them some of the time, but he promises that Dick will never see all of them all of the time. Now that I like. Yeah. That's a great line. Yes. He tells him that if he smokes, they will see him. Dick assumes that if this happens, they'll bring him back here and stick him in the cat room. But Donati informs him that he's wrong. They'll bring his wife down here and stick her in the cat room while he watches. There's kind of a not much of a reaction from Dick. Yeah, he's almost like, so I have one more cigarette then. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's like, she'll be, crispy. <laughs> she'll be crispy around the pot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That night, with a drink, Dick watches The Dead Zone. <laughs> when murder is proposed on the screen, Dick remarks that it's a good idea. Behind him, his wife Cindy, played by Mary Darcy, asks what he said. Annoyed, he tells her, nothing. <laughs> I did hear on commentary, Teague said that they tried to fit as much Stephen King as they could. You of can course. tell. Yeah. Yeah. And I was glad to hear that it was Teague and not Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like and he's watching the dead zone, right? Yeah. <laughs> In a Trust script. me. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little glad too. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting in his chair, he flashes back to the rest of his conversation with Donati in the office. He remarks that he can't believe this is happening, but Donati, holding and stroking the cat that he just tortured, assures him that it is happening. He says that after Dick's first defense, the wife will be put in the cat room. It won't be too much, but it will hurt. Second offense, they'll put his daughter Alicia in the cat room. And the third offense, he will send someone out to sexually assault his wife. They keep a sick individual around to do just this. This is one of the things that I was like, holy shit. Yeah, this yeah. is uh, an outlier in this kind of like almost family friendly, you know, yeah. horror anthology. I did not remember that. And why is nothing? Why? Why aren't they, you know, beaten beaten up james woods <laughs> like yeah. well, as, I mean, as the third thing just like he's at a gas station just gets his ass kicked or something. <laughs> yeah the, the, i you don't know, know? Yeah. after the third time it's i saw the devil yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's on sight <laughs> it's a bit extreme yeah it's I, insane but he puts the cat back in the carrier and assures dick that only two percent of the clients ever slip up for a fourth time dick asks what if they do though Opening his suit jacket to reveal a gun, Donati tells him that that's when they give up. And again, you know Donati keep that thing on him. <laughs> yeah. And so this is what I'm saying. Th these these are the you know groundbreaking methods that we've learned. Yeah. <laughs> if we'll you don't stop you. smoking, <laughs> I'm gonna murder you. Yeah. It's his life. Let him smoke, man. If it, well, I mean, well, I, I guess they're like, me. yeah, no, you're asking for help. I'm gonna help you. But I didn't ask you to do all that shit. Well, no. <laughs> well, did you read the terms and no, conditions? Fine yeah, friend, huh? yeah. We'll murder you if you yeah. smoke four cigarettes. <laughs> four cigarettes. Yeah. In his imagination, Dick falls back in his chair, and when he does this in real life in his living room, he spills his drink on himself. Cindy comes over to ask what's wrong, and he tells her angrily that he spilled his drink. She comes over to dab the mess off of his shirt, joking that he needs to stop using his left tit for a coaster. But Dick is not in a joking mood. He pulls away from her and turns off the TV, saying that he doesn't know what the hell's going on in the movie anyway. And he storms out of the room, asking in vain, who writes this crap? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. It is great. I love, you know, Stephen King. 
he's the the king of horror. Mm-hmm. He's got his misses. He's mm-hmm. got he's got his his issues and mostly the endings. It's a lot of time the endings, <laughs> but it's cool that even back then he was able to poke fun at that. Yeah, because this is still in the fucking eighties. Uh huh. You know that's that's pretty cool, and yeah. he does it again and. Uh, was it chapter two? Yeah. Of it? <laughs> when he's was talking the, to... And the ending fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, so, as per usual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because I would just be crying under my desk, but he's like, look, I know it's... <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm just trying to move on to the next book. <laughs> when you have 50 ideas a year, you got Yeah, <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Literally. But Cindy follows him into the kitchen, and as he rummages through the fridge, she asks him what's wrong because he's a bear tonight. He tells her nothing's wrong before quickly admitting that everything is wrong and that he quit smoking today. She asks if this was a decision that he made five minutes ago, and he says since 2.45 this afternoon. She's in disbelief that he's not had a cigarette in six hours, but he corrects her. Six hours and 23 minutes. He's like, I'm, can you move? I'm trying to get some ice cream. Say <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trading one vice for another. Yes, as one does. But he takes the ice cream out of the freezer. She asks just what made him decide to quit smoking, and he tells her honestly that he's doing it for her and Alicia. She tells him that this is the sweetest thing she's ever heard, and even if he doesn't make it, they both thank him. Eating his ice cream, Dick tells her that he thinks he will make it. So this is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, I reread the stories in Night Shift as well, and even in the stories, she's like, oh, you'll be, you'll quit by this afternoon, or you'll give up by this afternoon. Yeah. Why are you doing that? <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, why are you doing that? That's what, mean. Being yeah. a supportive spouse. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I quit smoking. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have a cigarette in your mouth after dinner. I, know. <laughs> I, I will say as someone who used to smoke, and I know you did too, babe, for mm. a long time. It, it is hard to quit. Um, but once you quit, that's the best thing in the fucking world. Like, it is I, so, if somebody that you care about is like, look, I've made this decision in part for you and our child. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> well, Dick doesn't seem like uh, he's he's going to give up. You no, know what I mean? the but things still, he likes. even no. if you're like, you know, skeptical. Right, mm-hmm. right. No, yeah. Encourage them. Yes. I thought yes. that was yeah. really mean. And her little like Betty Draper dresses, she seemed so sweet. But yeah. I thought that that was well, very Well, she was rude. like, you're did or whatever yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i don't even want to say it <laughs> that's course it's course and i do want to say as well that i did pretend to smoke a candy cigarette once so yeah, i also right. fit in. Right. <laughs> i know i want right. to fit in with the group. it's hard it's really difficult <laughs> and then you got to unwrap it and then chew it right everybody else knows what that's like the hardest part of quitting is when you have to punch all your cigarettes yeah <laughs> All the ones you have left. But if you go to Quitters Inc., then you'll do it for They'll you. They'll do it for you. That's the so hardest part. You don't have to worry about anything. We'll, t- we'll take it from here. That night, as rain pelts the bedroom window and thunder cracks, Dick lays awake under his wife's sleeping arm. We pan over to the clock to see that it's 3.17 a.m., and Dick looks miserable. He lifts Cindy's arm off of him so that he can creep downstairs. He peers around his own home, briefly illuminated by flashes of lightning as he heads down the stairs. He starts to go back up, but follows through with his plan and goes the rest of the way down, looking in every conceivable corner for watching eyes. When he gets to the first floor, he screams when he sees his own reflection in a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) That's guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
That out of the way, he tiptoes into his office. After looking through the drawers, ignoring the smiling faces of his wife and daughter looking out at him from a framed photo, he comes back up with an abandoned pack of cigarettes. Looking around guiltily, he puts a cigarette in his mouth and strikes a match. Just before he can put the flame to the end of the cigarette, he hears movement in the closet. I just want to say, after what Donati said with that really cool and really terrifying line. Yeah. He has picked the the dumbest area to smoke. He's Now, I will admit, mm-hmm. I thought this scene was going to go a lot differently because he's smoking next to an, a window with the blinds open. Yeah. yeah. And so I thought it was just going to be a man outside in the rain and he's just like taking note. Yeah. <laughs> Homer Simpson's back into yeah. the bushes. Yeah. Instead, it is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A heartbeat thuds as he arms himself with an umbrella and goes to investigate. The unlit cigarette still in his mouth, he flings the door wide, and when a golf bag falls down, he yells and strikes it. He starts to walk away, tossing the umbrella back into the closet behind him, but he stops when someone inside audibly groans. (laughs) (laughs) But doesn't make their presence known. No. No. (laughs) He takes it pretty hard. (laughs) He turns back and this is when he sees the wet pair of rain boots among the jackets. He softly asks if someone is in there and holds up his cigarette. He says that he didn't smoke it and asks that if someone is there, they please tell Donati that he didn't smoke it. He snaps the cigarette in half and drops it as if he had no intention of smoking it in the first place. He lies that he was only coming down here to get his golf clubs. As proof, he slings the bag over his shoulder and leaves the office. We get one more shot of the rain boots, water still dripping down on them. But the way that the water runs, it looks like he hit him so hard with the umbrella that he peed himself. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's such an odd way that they shoot this. Friday the 13th part. (laughs) (laughs) That's just rude too, man. Don't come in the house with your wet ass boots. It really is. Now all my stuff's wet. You, there is a mat outside for a reason. Yeah, Yeah, it's just if you're, it. like you said they're peeing uh-huh. oh that's even worse <laughs> yeah, now i gotta worry about this yeah and then when he leaves the next day it's like this is yeah, unbelievable. yeah that wasn't part that wasn't part no. you didn't say you were gonna piss on my carpet i didn't and stuff. sign yeah. a waiver for this you said you're gonna shock my wife and other horrible stuff that <laughs> yes. was, that's the only you thing you didn't say anything about pee but the next morning cindy wakes up next to dick's golf bag Dick heads outside to get the newspaper, but he pauses suspicious when he sees a man jogging. He's got a towel around his neck and headphones on, and everything seems right until Dick can get a full view of his body, and he is inexplicably wearing dress shoes. That, you gotta hide better. (laughs) I mean, it's clear you just very quickly. Yes. (laughs) Confused, Dick goes back inside. He goes into his office and rips the closet doors open. The rain boots from the night before are gone. He sticks his umbrella through the hanging coats, but there is no one there. 
when he picks up the broken cigarette that he dropped on the ground last night, he notices muddy shoe prints leading out of the room, which again is rude. Just no discretion. Yeah, they look more dusty than muddy. <laughs> that was it's like, so the mummy was watching. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, what is Dick think? He puts the umbrella in the thing. You think he's got an eight hour shift in the closet? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's not going to be there still. It's like, hey, is, do I smell coffee? Is there a coffee, is there some coffee right, for me? I, I was assigned to you. I didn't know either that I was going to be following you all the time. Yeah. And no. dude, that hurt last yeah. night. <laughs> that was bad. Yeah. You got to be more careful, man. <laughs> we told you we'd be watching you. Yeah. <laughs> When Cindy comes in to ask if he wants coffee, he screams and she takes that as a yes. She leaves and as he throws away the broken cigarette, he tosses the pack away, <laughs> muttering, talk about aversion therapy. And I would take that as a no. He's clearly had enough coffee this yeah. morning. Yeah. <laughs> as he leaves the room, he promises that's it. We linger on a photo of Cindy and Alicia, played by Drew Barrymore. Now... <laughs> I will say, and we were talking off mic, that the costume designer didn't really. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know why. It's like they're trying to hide the fact that this is also <laughs> true Barrymore when it's clear that she's doing the Karen Black treatment of yeah. being in every segment. Yes. I was just so confused as to this costume. No, it's hilarious. And when we see her, we were about to see her in person in a minute and something about this was made it even funnier to me. Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. Okay. But later, Dick pulls up to the St. Stephen School for the Exceptional. St. Stephen. Well, yeah. <laughs> I hope that was Teague's idea. <laughs> <laughs> the children are playing outside and we see Alicia, who, which is what made me laugh, is in the exact same dress from the photo we just saw. Yeah. <laughs> well, we took that photo this morning. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> As soon as she spots her father, she calls out, Daddy, and runs to him excitedly. He picks her up and spins her before leading her to his car, instructing her to close her eyes tight so she doesn't spoil the surprise. Finally, he tells her that she can open them, and he presents her with her very own Cabbage Patch doll named Norma Jean. I got to be honest, man. I don't know how the hell these things caught on. Mm -hmm. These are the ugliest things I've They're ever seen hideous. in my life. I loved them. Oh, no. I used see the version that I loved was the garbage pal kids. Oh, God. That's even worse. Oh, <laughs> they were terrible looking. There was I, a movie and everything. I, I will. I, I've seen clips of that movie online. I will never yeah. subject myself to such a thing. Shout out to my older people. <laughs> like, you know what I'm yeah, talking about. You know what it is. <laughs> But you're disgusted by the doll. Alicia's thrilled. Yes. Good for her. Yeah. And Dick tells her that he got it for her because he loves her. She hugs him. And this is when he notices Donati just standing there and watching them. I thought he was like the CEO. He's out here making house calls. Yeah. Well, he's like, look, I want to be clear about a few things right fucking now. <laughs> yeah. There's a few things, especially after last night. We need to iron out. Yeah. Right. That to. was me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My stomach fucking hurts. <laughs> he gives Alicia Norma Jean and her adoption papers and sends her back to class with the nun that is leading the kids away from recess. Donati approaches and comments that Dick really loves her a lot. Dick fires back that one of his men was in his closet last night and Donati's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> he admits that that is possible and reminds him that he promised constant supervision for the first month, which he did. Yeah. 
Dick gets in his car, calling Donati a son of a bitch, and Donati agrees that this is true. But it takes a son of a bitch to beat the habit. He says that people that can't turn into sons of bitches on their own come to them, and they deliver and give them what they need. Dick tells him adamantly that he did not smoke no matter what was reported back to Donati, but Donati knows that he didn't. He tells him that if he had smoked, he wouldn't be here right now. God damn. That's yeah. rough. He'd be in his office watching his wife hop around that little room. He reminds him that he loves his wife and kid, which is unfashionable, but useful. <laughs> so you couldn't love your family in the 80s? I thought. It's not cool. It makes so much um, sense now. <laughs> <laughs> He tells Dick that he thinks he's going to make it, but that they will be watching him. Without another word, Dick pulls away and drives off as a cover of every breath you take by the police begins to play. Clearly a cover. Yeah. yeah. It sound, it's like karaoke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like they just filmed the audio one night or filmed the audio. They recorded the audio. I'm fucking, I'm so flabbergasted at the quality of this cover. That I just had to. You don't know words anymore. I don't know what I'm even saying. <laughs> But I, I did read that what happened was, uh, well, we'll get to what we see okay, <laughs> because it's important with the story of why this song is the way it is. All right. All right. It continues as we go to a party in the next scene. Everyone is drinking and happy and the air is thick with cigarette smoke. We see people enjoying their cigars and cigarettes before we find Cindy being served hors d'oeuvres by a child. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next to her is Dick, who is having a conversation with drunk businessman played by James Rebhorn. This dude, mm-hmm. character actor. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember him. He was in the finale of Seinfeld. Okay. I think he was the the opposing counsel. He sure was. <laughs> yes, he was. He does a lot of stuff. He was in Independence Day, Son of a Woman, uh, Meet the Fockers, or, uh, yeah. Oh, or... Yeah, when he was like, nice job, fucker, yeah. whatever. I would think that was <laughs> Meet the Parents. Meet yeah. the Parents. There you go. He yeah. was, uh, was like, you don't get to call me that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Talented Mr. Ripley? Yes. Oh, I love Talented Mr. Ripley. That was a wild movie. Yeah. yeah it was so good. Philip Seymour Hoffman? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He's great. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. yeah. He walks away from the group, the businessman following him and loudly telling a story. Dick is distracted, though, when he looks back at the couch where Cindy sits talking. The man she is talking to (laughs) leans his head back on the couch and with supernatural lungs lets out an (laughs) endless stream of cigarette smoke into the air. As the businessman snidely tells Dick that P.T. Barnum was right, there's a sucker born every minute. Dick notices a framed photo on the wall of the man from Quitters Incorporated. His eyes in the painting shift toward Dick. He has a cigarette in his mouth and smoke shoots from both nostrils. It's like he's a bull. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The businessman fights to get Dick's attention and Dick apologizes, saying that he's just tired. The businessman is smoking and offers Dick a cigarette and Dick almost takes it out of habit, but forcefully says no, that he quit. The businessman literally laughs in his face at this, but Dick insists that he did two weeks ago. So he's made it two weeks. Yeah. So two weeks left of this constant supervision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dick looks around the party and notices small children smoking as the businessman tells him dismissively that two weeks, two months, two years doesn't matter. A big presentation comes along and he'll be right back on it. Two dancing cigarette packs (laughs) come (laughs) flaunting themselves through the party. 
The party goers have cigarettes sticking out of their mouths, their ears, their noses. A man comes by with a tray of deviled eggs arranged in a face with a pickle nose, parsley mustache and carrot mouth. Eyes on the deviled eggs move back and forth. Several cigarettes between his fingers now. The businessman invites Dick to have a cigarette. He brings them all to his mouth and takes a drag. Smoke shooting in streams out of his ears. Dick politely refuses, but the businessman is holding a giant cigarette out of a giant pack now. Mouthing the words to the song, Donati comes down the stairs <laughs> taunting Dick and call him Ranch because he be dressing. He is in a like, silver sparkling outfit. Dick finally comes back to reality where the businessman is offering him a normal sized cigarette and the party is back to normal. Dick invites him to shove the cigarette up his ass and walks away from him. But the businessman still asks what lit and laughs to himself. (laughs) (laughs) This was wild as fuck. Yeah. I got to be honest as an adult. I hated this. I thought it was. No, I I thought it was hilarious. And it's funny because as I was watching this, I was like, T is going to hate this. John Paul is going to love this. Well, so it is surprising to me that you're like, nah. Well, no, I I actually have that in my notes, too. I was like, man, I feel like I should be loving this because it's super silly. Uh-huh. But I was like, I just I was like, I don't know what what's going on here. I was like, what's happening? I here? thought it was hilarious. I, d- I just think my thing is like, you know, sure, we'll have these hallucinations. But th- seeing the businessman laughing the way he is. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, OK, the kids are smoking. The fucking devil eggs are watching me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too much i think if we have like even the walking cigarettes that are like let's all go to the lobby yeah. or whatever yeah. like it's it's too it's just too much you it's know what it kind of you know what it kind of reminded me of huh. uh the chicken guy from kids in the hall <laughs> <laughs> the chicken lady yeah ba- <laughs> the friend so, of the cigarettes i don't know oh, why oh that's i was <laughs> I was so confused for yeah. now. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Where the was friend, the chicken lady? The, the friend we'll, with the cigarette. Okay. We'll, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. We got it. We got it. <laughs> uh, but I know. I don't know. And I mean, and first of all, it did make me laugh because on commentary he said uh, Teague was like, you know, and we obviously were playing into the, I guess, the fun of it all mm-hmm. instead of the horror of it, which is true and clear. Yeah. yeah. But he said, you know, and we we had to capture everything in camera. I was like, that smoke from Donati's mouth. <laughs> yeah. Stop that. that. Was not in. There's no way unless you just filmed some smoke and then laid it over. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I don't know. And the thing that I wanted to talk about or uh, with the song. Mm-hmm. Have we gotten to the song yet? Or the we... song has been playing this entire. Time. Okay, that's right. <laughs> the song has not stopped. Yes. Uh, when Donati is singing the song, he's lip syncing it. Yeah. So here's the story. I mean, he's well, he's yeah. doing his best. <laughs> he's trying. Yeah, it's it's hard to lip sync to sting and then not get sting. Yeah. So here's what happened. <laughs> They they shot this with the real song playing. They shot mm. it uh, to the real song, almost like music video style. Okay. And they give these, the dailies to Dino De Laurentiis. And they tell him, you know, we're obviously wanting to use this song for the thing because it makes perfect sense. Mm. Yeah. All the th- and the lyrics do make perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. But um, Donati is singing to it. And what they don't tell Dino De Laurentiis is that they've filmed two versions of Donati coming down the stairs. One with him lip syncing to the song, one with him not doing it. And so they do have one for safety just in case they can't get the song. Right. But they want the song so badly, they're trying to con De 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 Laurentiis into paying for it. And so he was pissed. And then he finds out, he's like, oh, you're telling me that we can 
license the song <laughs> because the police are asking for too much money. Yeah. And that's why we have this whatever version <laughs> of this He's song. He's like, I got a hundred bucks. Yeah. No, Dino's like, I'll sing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're after the shoot. They're sitting there playing around. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it rolling. That's you know what? Yeah. yeah. You know. Let's, let's see how this goes. Yeah. You guys pay, pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> We cut to Dick sitting in his car, stuck in traffic as the bridge is raised so a boat can pass. He's listening to music, but the tape breaks, causing the music to distort and stop. And when he pulls the cassette out, the tape is coming out of it. That's the worst shit. Yeah. So back in the day, we had things called cassettes. and yes. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cassette tapes. Yes. yes. <laughs> we didn't have iTunes. Right. There was no Spotify. <laughs> yeah. And if this happened and you didn't have like a pencil or something put oh, in there, yeah. oh, that it's, shit took forever. Yeah. But Dick opens his glove compartment to find another cassette, but a bunch of maps fall out along with a pack of cigarettes. Now, at this time, we did not have Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is happening in the scene? <laughs> Dick is visibly shaken just by the sight of the cigarettes, but he does take a look around. In the convertible next to him, the driver makes out with his passenger. In the car in front of him, two children are pummeling each other with pillows. He sticks a piece of gum in his mouth, but slightly checks his rearview mirror. You can see what he's thinking. Yeah. Yes. He even sticks his head out of the window to look around more. The music grows tense as he slides on his sunglasses and dips down out of view of the windows. I love that the sunglasses were part of the plan. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, already done. I just want to say with th this is again the worst. Yeah. You know that you're you there was a man in your closet. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think that you start smoking and a dude's going to pop up in your backseat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, literally. Like, seriously. Yeah. The but, urge is a motherfucker, man. But well, that's what um cuz Teague had said that every entry is about a fear, and yeah. this was the fear of addiction. Okay. So, like, I, I, you know, I get that, and it, it is kind of an outlier. Stephen King writes a lot about smoking. Mm -hmm. um, my namesake, Blood and Smoke, that collection. Um, <laughs> collection. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's a. I mean, it's a big thing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I get the compulsion and the temptation. But yeah, dude, a man was in your closet. Yeah. yeah. I just imagine you light up and then Frank Reynolds comes out of your, no, literally. <laughs> your back seat. <laughs> out of the cover. Yeah. yeah. But it's just a clearly an outline of a man. <laughs> <laughs> he's like looking over his shoulder. I feel like there should he should have purged everything. When he got rid of the cigarettes in the drawer, oh, he should have yeah. checked the glove box. He should have checked in his office. Like he should it should, he, just everything. Yeah. Remove the temptation. You gotta have discipline, man. That's yeah. I haven't smoked in I don't know how long, and I I'll be a liar to say if every now and then if when I smell it, <laughs> uh -huh. there isn't a fuck man. A cigarette does sound nice. I'll like, be nope. a liar. <laughs> well, I'm just saying if I'm like, no, I don't. Say well, I'm saying if Please. I'm like, I I never want to smoke again. No, if I smell it, sometimes the urge, even if it's a tiny one, even all these years later. Yeah, even these years, fuck, I haven't smoked since Jackson was born. Probably before. Yeah. Well, I would hope that if the threat was that they're going to put me in a cat room, that. Well, no, I, I'm just saying in general. In like, general, so quitting smoking is. What? It is <laughs> One free cigarette. She'll be all right. <laughs> She'll be all right. <laughs> Still peering around guiltily, he takes a cigarette out of the pack. 
In front of the cars, the bridge is being put back down, but we see a cloud of smoke float up in Dick's car. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Dick waves the cloud away, but continues smoking, lean down in the seat. He laughs to himself, having committed the perfect crime, but he's startled <laughs> when the truck behind him honks. When he raises his head back up, everyone has driven off in front of him, and he puts the cigarette in his mouth again in full view of everyone, but he freezes when he locks eyes with the driver of the convertible next to him. The makeout session is over, and we see now that it is junk. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> with a big smile, yeah. he tips his hat to Dick <laughs> and speeds off, which I really felt like was insulting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, you know where I'm going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Catch me if you can. I, I did think that the tone that they set with that party hallucination I thought he was going to look up and it was going to be one of those little kids and they're like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like taking notes or something. And then like, or uh, they're, they're Donati's grandkids or yeah, something. something. <laughs> you know, like I thought that was what it was going to be. The damage is already done, but Dick snubs out the cigarette and peels off. He speeds home recklessly, but once he arrives, he sees that the screen door has been cut open and there is something burning and smoking on the stove abandoned. He calls out for Cindy and drops the skillet in the sink. He continues searching, calling his wife, but once he starts upstairs, the phone rings. On the other end, Donati greets him warmly, sitting next to the cat and the carrier. He tells Dick that they've got business to attend to and asks if five o'clock will work for him. Dick tries to tell him that it was just a little slip, a little small slip. He swears that it won't happen again and that it's actually funny because it didn't even taste good to him. And it, lo it looked like it tasted good to yeah, him. He was, he was vibing. <laughs> well, he was. <laughs> and I will say it's very funny that he's asking if a time works for him. Yeah. So if I say no, <laughs> will my wife never get shocked? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I won't, I'll never get to see her again. Yeah, but she'll never get to come home. <laughs> yeah, but this won't happen. <laughs> Donati isn't trying to hear any of this. He tells Dick that he'll see him at five and hangs up the phone. Dick is furious, slamming the phone in its cradle before throwing it. This is all you. Like, oh, yeah. You got yeah. nobody to blame but yourself. Mm -hmm. Later, Junk escorts an angry Dick into Donati's office for his meeting. He holds Dick by the back of his collar, reporting that he tried to get smart with his fists, but unfortunately, he's got very dumb fists. Jeez. What is he doing now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we leave what? this a couple weeks ago i thought we were with x yeah there's no there's no need to lapse into quorum today put dick and beat fist and junk and junk <laughs> it's dude i've been trying my fucking best to hold it together who wrote this crap <laughs> <laughs> he laughs but dick demands to know where his wife is donati presses the button on his remote and the curtains open revealing the room Dick elbows Junk in the stomach and pushes him to the ground. <laughs> he rushes to the window and tries to break the glass with a coat rack. I don't know what he thinks he's doing here yeah. because his wife's already in the room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's like, I'm not watching this. <laughs> Junk pulls his gun on Dick, but Donati calls him an idiot. He throws Dick across the desk, knocking over the carrier. <laughs> it opens and the cat <laughs> fucking <Yeah>. runs away. <laughs> I love how he... <laughs> goes from story to story yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like that's all for me we'll yeah, see you later <laughs> yeah junk tries to go after the cat but donati is struggling to hold dick back from grabbing the gun and tells junk to forget the cat and just get the gun 
When someone opens the door to clean in the office, the cat runs out. With Junk holding a gun on Dick, Donati settles him back into the chair. He is understanding and says that he won't hold this against him, but he warns him not to provoke Junk again. Donati says that he'll make this as quick as possible and that she won't be hurt. This time. He presses the button and 96 tears begins to play. I do want to point out that Teague was saying, he goes, well, we tried, we wanted to just get the most ridiculous sounding song. And I was like, I feel really bad for the band that recorded yeah. <laughs> Like, I know we got paid and everything. Thanks, but- <laughs> dude. I was surprised that it wasn't just Twist and Shout again. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. But, okay. <laughs> I thought, because he said it was conditioning or whatever. Yeah. He yeah. said it was conditioning for the cat, the cat that we never use again. <laughs> yeah, at all. <laughs> it's just so weird. I don't know. And from what we learned, he just got that cat earlier. Yeah. He got the cat the same day. Yeah. So yeah. he's like, we plan to keep this cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for as long as we can yeah. all nine lives of this cat. well it's a good thing he got away oh yeah cindy is sobbing in the corner of the room but now she looks around confused her hair begins to stand on end donati tells dick that it's just like getting a shot at the doctor's office and presses the button on the remote sparks begin to fly under cindy's feet as she hops around screaming I just want to say this is nothing like getting a shot of the doctor's office. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not even a little. They're not like no walk into this room. Yeah. <laughs> What's this metal grate? I thought I was just getting my influenza. No, Mister. <laughs> Why are you playing the Isley Brothers? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, this isn't the Isley yeah. Brothers. <laughs> Could you not afford the yeah. Isley Brothers? <laughs> this is words. Give me the shots. Give yeah, me the shots. Yeah, just give me. Yeah. <laughs> Shock me. I don't care. <laughs> junk is laughing at cindy but donati is taking no pleasure in the lesson he consults his watch and when dick begs him to stop because he's killing her he assures her again that she will be fine after another moment he presses a button and the music and the sparks stop the curtain closes junk laughs until donati throws him a stern look he places a compassionate hand on Dick's shoulder and says he's got some explaining to do. Dick agrees. <laughs> a lot of explaining. Oh, uh, yeah. He watches on a screen later when Cindy is released to him. She immediately runs into his arms. There is no sound. And when Junk asks if he's going to turn it up, Donati says that there's no need. He's been in the business long enough to know that in 30 seconds, Cindy is either going to squeeze Dick hard enough to give him a hernia or she's going to slap him and leave. Cindy jumps up from the couch at the pivotal moment and Junk bets $10 that she'll slap him. Donati takes the bet and when Cindy runs back into Dick's arms and embraces him, he takes the money smugly. He was already holding $10? Yeah. <laughs> that was the quickest uh, thank you. You should, yeah. you should never, don't make the bet unless you got what it takes to back it up. I guess. <laughs> He's like, I got it right here. We catch up with our cat <laughs> who has caught the Staten Island Ferry. <laughs> out of new york city Dude, i was like is this cat's like i'm leaving the country i don't yeah that was wild i can't believe that so, i made it out <laughs> where's he going we'll find out in a second okay <laughs> we cut to dick being weighed by donati when he reports that he's only gained eight pounds in six months he says he doesn't think that's that bad donati tells him they need to keep an eye on it because 73 percent of clients develop a weight problem the second they quit smoking junk writes the stats down Donati leaves, telling Dick to get dressed, even though he is dressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
He says that they'll talk after. But when Dick asks Junk if he thinks eight pounds in six months is bad, Junk says that he thinks it's great. So they're all friends now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that reaction, I was like, why are they all buddy buddy? Yeah. Like you were just laughing at my wife getting shocked. Yeah, yeah no he was. Shit. Yeah, he, he, pulled a, he pulled a gun yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> Let's not forget that. Murder attempted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Donati leads Dick back to the waiting area and he gives him a bottle of diet pills, warning Dick that they are highly illegal, so use them sparingly. What? I Thanks, Doc. That seems very odd. Yeah. Because, I mean, well, in all fairness, they've been breaking the law. I was going to say, what's, what's no, happening I, here, though? Yeah. <laughs> I know, but a minute ago you were worried about my health from smoking. Now uh-huh. you're giving me illegal diet pills. Yeah. yeah. Now these are just use them sparingly. And these are loaded with side effects. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, does, what does sparingly mean? Yeah. He didn't. Like, there's, there's no further instruction. Nothing at all. And honestly, we I don't fucking remember agreeing to a diet plan. Yeah. <laughs> now I gotta follow this too yeah. forever. He sets Dick's max weight at 165 pounds, and Dick jokes, asking that if he goes over, is Donati gonna send a guy to his house with a flamethrower? With a smile, Donati tells him that he'll send someone over to cut off his wife's little finger. The two share a laugh and Dick leaves. I wouldn't take anything this man says as a as a yeah. joke. Any no. threats anyway. And he's like, ah, you? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, no. Oh, Donati, you. you scamp. This is the man who shocked your wife. Yeah. yeah. Why, why are we forgetting this? I don't know how many months it's been, but. Yeah. Six. It's only been six months. Six months. Oh, I'm not forgetting that ever. Yeah. No. No, we're going to like slash his yeah. tires before we leave. Sometime. Yeah. yeah. That night, Dick and Cindy have dinner at home with Jim and his wife, Mrs. McCann, played by Susan Hawes. Okay, so this is why I want to talk about Jim a little bit. Because when he drops him off and then Dick goes inside and Jim is like looking nervous in the car, Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be some kind of a thing where if you want us to leave you alone, you need to bring us someone else. Mm. So that he was, you know, setting him up. You want to quit smoking here. And then he kind of maybe felt a little guilty about it, but that's not what's happening. He was literally like, now this worked for me. Yeah. Go. I'm not going to tell you any details. I'm not going to give you any warnings friend, but go. No. And, and after experiencing what I experienced. Yeah. You're not We're coming not over for dinner. Anymore. Yeah. yeah. No. no. And Jim, you're coming over for a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all I'm that's, serving. That's all I'm feeding you. Um, <laughs> Dick, or not Dick, Jim too. It went a little further with him, as we'll see in a second. Yeah. And he still mm-hmm. recommended these people. So, I mean, I don't know if Donati has, it's like a cult of personality situation. Cause even Dick is like, oh, okay, bestie, I'll see you later. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's wild. I went off on a thing, but the next thing I wrote was, I would never talk to this man again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, really? Yeah. Dick raises a toast to Quitters Incorporated. He clinks glasses with Jim, who agrees, then with his wife, who also agrees. When he turns his attention to Mrs. McCann, she is reluctant, but then finally also raises her glass to Quitters Incorporated. As she turns to clink glasses with him, Dick notices that Mrs. McCann's little finger has been cut off. Fear takes over his face. Now uh, that's that's a really good ending. Yeah, it's a great ending. It was funny reading the story because <laughs> later they send him a bill, and like Donati's expertise was like twenty five hundred, and then the therapy was twenty five hundred, and then they send him 
a 50 cent add-on for the electricity. Oh. <laughs> what? Wow. So the bill was $5,000 and 50 cents. <laughs> and he was like, they charge me for the electricity. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, what expertise? Yeah, no shit. I, I can't remember exactly what the billing was, but it was specifically for Donati's like professional whatever. And then it was like for the, the treatment. Yeah. It was 25 and 25 and then the 50 cent. <laughs> you know yeah for the, like we gotta keep the lights on for yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> i hope junk's getting some of that well um does junk deserve it well i mean he's working for the dude I he mean, is. That's, he's he doing is. his job yeah, it's a just, bad one but he's just out here making out with people and yeah, yeah that's yeah. part of the job <laughs> um but uh that's that's it so what did you guys think of quitters inc quitters incorporated um I agree with you, T. The The party scene was a little kind of too silly for me, and it <laughs> does feel weird me saying that, but it did feel kind of, uh, I don't want to say out of place, but it, it did feel confusing for me. I did enjoy it, though. That was pretty good. It was a bit extreme to help somebody stop smoking. Like, yeah. Very extreme. But, I mean, yeah, that wasn't bad. I think it's a neat idea. I, I have some questions about the execution of this idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that it's it's a, it's a strong segment and it's the one to start with. Okay. For yeah. sure. I feel like we get a lot of spectacle in the last story, um, which is how it should be yeah. for an anthology. But I think that this might be my favorite one. I think as far as a story is concerned, it is. Uh, as far as who's starring in it, it's <laughs> it's we got to go with the feline friend we'll talk <laughs> so, yeah. uh, we'll, ha- we'll talk yeah <laughs> okay. but i feel like um it kind of it, it's an it's an odd it's it's a good start but it's an odd start because it's like it sets up such an odd feeling because you don't know what the tone is going to be exactly yeah it was kind of all over the place <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But we cut to the cat hanging out with unhoused men. One of the men feeds him a hot dog that he's cooked over the fire before shooing him away. The cat does as he's told and makes his way to a boardwalk. Tex lets us know that he is now in Atlantic City, New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) You're telling me this cat hopped on a boat, took an hour and 30 minute trip to Jersey. Indeed. Just (laughs) chilling. Yeah. Did he buy a ticket? Uh, No. He. uh, he You know what? Did he like check his carrier at baggage? Did he? <laughs> no, not at all. It's just now occurring to me that this is six months later. No, yeah. <laughs> after the cat ran out of the office. Oh, shit. So has he just been chilling for six yeah. months? <laughs> you're on a mission, dude. Like you're on the clock. He's training. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, you know, we're like, we'll pick up where it's, it's, it's like Pulp Fiction. Time doesn't really. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was six months later for Dick and them. But yes. the cat, this is him arriving in Jersey. Yeah. This is still August or whatever. This I kind of like that better. Ran out of the room. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, this is an hour and a half after he <laughs> yeah. We joined the cat in progress. Okay. I like that better. But we are now in the story, The Ledge. The cat walks around, but stops when he sees TVs in a window. (laughs) There's a cat food ad on the TV starring our girl, played by Drew Barrymore. (laughs) He watches intently as another image of her takes over the screen, speaking directly to him. She pleads with him to listen to her because it's still after her and he needs to get back and find it. As the cat walks away on his mission, her words, you're my only chance, echo in his head. These cats... Excuse me. This cat's hallucinations. <laughs> they're troubling. Yeah. And I'm 
He's right. He's but <laughs> he probably should have gotten a referral from Donati. To yeah, because <laughs> this is really getting. Or he's a big Star Wars fan. Uh, but clearly, yeah. yeah. They You're just my only like, hope. Change one word. Yeah, me. I'll be one. Yeah. <laughs> what? For me? I love it. It's fucking Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> That was amazing. I'm so shocked. It's like I've been in that room. Yeah. <laughs> that was a treat. At King's Casino. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Cressner, played by Kenneth McMillan, the casino owner and clearly a very important man, makes his rounds on his way out the door. He is deferred to and catered to. Even the door is open for him on his way out. A car waits for him at the entrance, and when the driver, Albert, played by Jesse Doran, opens the door for him, Kressner asks if someone named Ducky has eyes on his wife and her friend. Albert confirms that this is true, saying that they are both in a white Mustang convertible and Ducky is right behind them. Kressner is pleased to hear this. He turns and asks his guests, Jerry Lynn, played by Shelley Birch, and Westlake, played by Sal Richards, what's it gonna be? I did want to talk about where they filmed this because it kind of made me laugh the distinction that they made. Mm-hmm. Because these, all of these scenes, the majority of the film was shot in a studio. Okay. Mm-hmm. But there were some shots that were outdoors, and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. And they are not in Atlantic City. This is Wilmington, North Carolina. <laughs> and the reason that they filmed here is because Dino also had them film Firestarter here, I believe. Okay. And then I think they filmed another film for him here. So (laughs) he loves this town. Yeah. But they kind of mocked it up to look like, like the lights behind him, those are mocked up. They're not real. Okay. They like put them there just for this shot. This isn't even a real casino. They just hung some mylar and some lights under a building. Uh, That's that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And so the thing that made me laugh though is... (laughs) is that the shots that we saw previously, the cat was in Atlantic City. That was real. They really went to Atlantic City. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> to film for the cat. I love that he got to go. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I've always wanted to go to yeah. Atlantic City. <laughs> He's got a great agent, man. <laughs> yeah. Literally. He's like, this cat is not showing up unless, <laughs> unless he gets to play Did some they bring all 12 cats? I hope so. Right. <laughs> so that, the distinction made me laugh very That's hard. incredible. <laughs> Jerry Lynn says that Dean Martin is playing at the Gold Nugget and she hasn't seen him since she was little. Westlake leans over to Kressner and asks if he's got his domestic problem under control. When Kressner says that everything is taken care of, Westlake tells Jerry Lynn that the Gold Nugget will be fine. She's very excited but distracted when we see our leading man, the cat, running by the street. (laughs) Isn't it kind of wild that his friends, like with what we know is about to happen in this uh story mm-hmm. his friends are like so you're gonna take care yeah. of him, right like they they have no qualms <laughs> not at all <laughs> no. about anything he's about to do yeah but the cat is causing quite a stir running into the middle of the road and then stopping to hiss at the oncoming cars <laughs> they honk at him as they drive by jerry lynn says that her daddy used to tell her that all cats should be drowned and westlake comments that her father sounds like a great humanitarian your dad used to say yeah, yeah what the fuck why are you sharing that yeah, yeah. Kressner chuckles at this, but he is transfixed by the cat who makes it to the median. In horror, Jerry Lynn is certain that the cat is going to get run over. Kressner doesn't agree. In fact, he's willing to wager $2,000 that the cat will make it. Westlake is happy to take that bet. They each put up $2,000 and give it to Kressner's driver. So again, when you make a bet, you have the money in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. I'm carrying $2,000. <laughs> it's been established. 
but what the fuck? Yeah. What? Yeah. I, yeah. Westlake asserts that he can do whatever he wants, and Kressner is adamant that everyone can do whatever they want. Westlake only doubles down that that cat is dead. Westlake kneels by the edge of the road, beckoning the cat toward him through the traffic that separates them. Jerry Lynn is exasperated, commenting that they will bet on anything. And really, that's what this whole thing yeah. is trying to establish. Yeah. <laughs> In a very strange way. <laughs> Kressner agrees that they will because that's what it's all about. She kneels down next to Westlake and starts to beckon to the cat. Westlake comments that because of the 2000, she's on his side now, but he reminds her that her father was the one drowning cats. She ignores him. <laughs> the cat cowers in the grass of the median as Westlake tries to convince him that the zooming cars aren't real. Kressner is calm, though, still standing by his car and waiting for the exact right moment. He softly tells the cat, now <laughs> no i don't the know cat goes, wow. <laughs> the cat goes they're they're connected yeah. well <laughs> he's like tapping on the car yeah. like, wow. if i'm if i'm wesley i'm like did you know this cat before this yeah. <laughs> did you just fucking steal two thousand dollars from it me you hustled me man yeah, what the how fuck? dare you although he causes a multiple car accident <laughs> the cat does make it safely to the group I did laugh because it is Kressner's like, no, he's got that cheetah in him. He's yeah. <laughs> and he does that. It's like an animal documentary. Yeah. <laughs> the way this cat runs across. <laughs> it is. I did want to tell you how they did this. Okay. The shot of the cat before he runs across. Right. It is shot with dividers. And so there are cars that are speeding by, but the cat is kept safely away from them. Okay. And it's shot with a longer lens. And so when they're put together, it appears that the cars are way closer than they actually are. All right. All so right. the cat was safe the whole time. Yeah. Good. But the running across is the combination of two composite shots. One with the cat running across and one with the cars having the accident. Oh, all right, all right. So you just put them together, and it's really funny because it it's seamless until the last frame. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, that cat's not yeah. there. <laughs> that cat was never there. <laughs> but Kressner scoops him up and cuddles him. Westlake says that he was just lucky, but Kressner says he knew he was being bet against. He tells them to go enjoy Dean Martin, and that he's taking the cat home because he's earned his bowl of milk. So the cat's going to get more than a cut, right? Are we going to get yeah. cut instead yeah. of milk? He better. Yeah. yeah he like better. At least 500 of that. Is mine. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure he's got bills to pay and yeah, shit. I mean, oh, no. Well, he's taking all this public transit. Like, yeah. <laughs> you got to pay for that. So I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> this trip has cost me a yeah. fortune. <laughs> and I, I do want to say, okay. <laughs> the, <laughs> the thing with Kressner for me, yeah. this is setting him up almost as an okay dude because these people are trying to yeah. lure a cat to its death. Yeah, yeah. And he's trying to get this cat safely across. Right. Yeah. He's going to give this cat some milk. He's going to take care of it. He doesn't seem like the worst guy. Right. So. Just wait. Yeah. 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 He tells them goodbye, mentioning to Westlake that he's got to finish taking care of what they were talking about. Before he gets into the car, he tells Albert to get Ducky on the radio and tell him to nail the bastard. He bids them goodbye. One more time. It's funny because he's like, well, nail the basket. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, guys. <laughs> well, he's, I'm playing both sides. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we cut to a bus station where Johnny Norris, played by Robert Hayes, is quickly ushering Marsha, played by Patricia Callenberg, from the ticket counter to the buses waiting outside. She says she doesn't understand why he can't just go with her. And Norris tells her flatly, 
because we're broke. Yeah, Robert Hayes, man, guy from Airplane, fucking captain. Oh, oh shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> he did he did a couple episodes of Outer Limits. Oh. He did a, a movie I, I strangely remember from being a kid that I don't think I should have been watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Honeymoon Academy. Oh, that And sounds... I was like, why does that sound so? And then when I, I think I seen it on USA. They used to have it uh, USA up all night with Rhonda Shear. Uh-huh. And I used to, well, I think that's where I seen it. And it I was sounds like, a oh, little I, suggestive. You yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He says that when she decided to be with him, she descended into a new plane of financial existence. He says he's trying to make it as painless as possible. She stops outside of her bus and tells him that she doesn't care about that, but he insists that he does. He promises to meet her at a hotel in New York tomorrow night. He just needs to wait for the banks to open to get them some money so that they can have something to live on. But Marsha warns him that he has no clue how dangerous her husband is. He says that he does, though, and that's why she's getting on the bus. But she needs to give him a kiss first. She does, and the kiss lingers until he tells her to go. <laughs> she gets on the bus, and he walks away as it pulls off. He made it sound like it was conditional, like the price is one smooch. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're free to go. <laughs> I, 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 Something came to me in this moment that I didn't think about at all when I was watching it, mm-hmm. but... In the span of three years, because Creepshow came out in 82, I believe, mm-hmm. um, this is a little derivative of something that bit. tied you over, isn't it? Yeah. The setup? I mean, I know it goes completely different it ways. It goes differently, oh, but yeah, okay. the, the um, Ted Danson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very much. Very right? much, actually. Isn't that odd? The rich husband with the white hair. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. And then you have a guy from Airplane in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> like it's just you got to do the same thing for my friend yeah that's pretty wild actually <laughs> when norris makes it back to his white mercedes convertible there are two men changing a tire on the car behind it when ducky played by mike Starr, slams a tire onto the back of norris's car he speaks up telling them hey but ducky <laughs> Ducky says that hay is for horses, sometimes for cows. <laughs> they, they're diet chips. <laughs> but pigs don't eat it because they don't know how. <laughs> and he, he punches them in the stomach with how, uh-huh. proclaiming boingo. <laughs> Why? I look. This is this is this dude's. So this is this dude's fault because he shouldn't be standing here listening to how fart animals eat. Yeah, I he should have gotten suspicious real quick. And instead, he's like, "Well, but cows sometimes." He said, "Now what? Yeah, now how does what about end? pigs? Yeah, just let me know. Close this out with pigs, and I'll be on my way." It's an interesting tactic, but it I, is. I don't the oh diversion. Yeah, I have not. It killed me. It killed me. I just don't. And he's married to this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he loves the, yeah. he loves the yeah. bit but ducky's accomplice dom played by charles s dutton swoops in and helps him detain norris he is unrecognizable yeah and the part is so small yeah. i was like no that's wrong like this must be another charles yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i forgot to mention i i remember ducky from dumb and dumber yeah of course yeah oh, yes. you're right <laughs> 
He's doing the most annoying sound in the yes. world in the car, and he's screaming at them. Yeah, I remember that. No, they're screaming at him. Well, he's like, <laughs> guys, <laughs> stop. Uh, Charles S. Dutton, they said on commentary, this is one of his first roles ever. Really? Yeah. That's wild. Very nice. The funny thing about him being in this movie is you see it's important that he drives a car in a second. Yeah. He had never driven a car in his entire life. Oh. <gasps> And so they had to teach him how to drive the car. And it was so difficult that the shot you see of him rounding the corner in just a little bit is a double. Ah. So they, they got a double for this bit part. Yeah. And then they have him parking the car and that's actually him. But it took forever. That is so wild because he was nobody at this point. No. Yeah. So, so for the them fact to be that like, they're like, no, you can stay. Yeah. Yeah. No, we love you. <laughs> instead of just getting an actor that could drive the car. I don't yeah. know that he says anything. I don't. I, I don't, don't know if he so. does. It's one thing. I don't. I honestly don't know if he speaks at all. That's wild. Yeah. But swiftly, Dom scoops up Norris's keys and gets behind the wheel of his Mustang. Ducky handcuffs Norris, promising him that he is in grade A trouble before leading him to his car. He gets in and follows Dom, who <laughs> apparently is struggling. <laughs> like now, what is drive? Yeah. <laughs> Which pedal do I press? <laughs> Dom parks next to Albert, who gets out and hands him a bag of heroin. Albert joins Ducky, who stands outside of Norris's window. And when he says, hey, again, Ducky reminds him that pigs don't eat it <laughs> because they don't know how. No, he and hits him in the face with another boingo. He cuts to the chase on this one. He does. Yeah. We don't have time for all that. No, yeah. You already know about the horses and the cows. No. I've already educated you. <laughs> the important I, thing is the. <laughs> do you have anything on why this is what was going on? I have no idea. All I know, I all I know is that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know about you. I this was not working for me. No, no. I, I it I was, was hilarious. Caught off guard by it because the fact that it's used twice. Right. That I was like, this is. He's like, remember? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's what it was. Because the first time I was like, huh. Okay. <laughs> Second time I'm like, oh, if, is that all you're going to say? Like, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's all you got. That's all you got. And I find it hard to believe that pigs don't know how. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just don't like it. They dude. eat anything. <laughs> They're very particular yeah, no, about what they love <laughs> and what they don't love. <laughs> <laughs> As we've determined. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Albert cautions him that when Ducky says that, it means shut up. All right. It's like a joke. It's like one. That's yeah. what he says. <laughs> Ducky wrenches him from the car and leads him to the building. We see Albert later driving Norris's Mercedes into a multi-story parking lot and parking. I did read that when um, Norris is looking up at Albert and the building is behind him. I think it was a miniature. Yes. Okay. That's cool oh yeah that's gonna play into a lot of what i tell you about how they filmed this mm. oh all right but ducky brings norris up to Crusner's penthouse literally holding him by the ear Crusner opens the door still holding the cat back at norris's car albert uses gloved hands to plant the bag of heroin into a tennis racket bag in the trunk Kressner informs Norris that in 10 minutes, Albert is going to call the police with the tale of heroin and aging tennis pros with drug records. I don't the the tacking on of him being a tennis pro was really funny to me. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh, he had his own life before this. Yeah. <laughs> like, he had a history. So what happens when I tell him, okay, check the fingerprints on there? Because mine aren't on there either. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Are you telling me I that's my bag of heroin, but there's no prints of mine on there? It's it's a really loose um 
He's like, no, you're gonna go away for a long yeah. time. <laughs> well, maybe he owns the police department. Oh, yeah, but I don't can, mean like no, actually yeah, owns. Yeah, but, no. <laughs> no, but then he he could have just paid them to just do it, and the police could plant it. Because he's saying it like, oh, oh we're yeah. framing you, yeah, and you're going down for this. This is an odd set. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's a little weird. Yeah. But he promises Norris that he'll be easily sought after, and Norris guesses, unless he tells him where Marsha is. Kressner reasons that with him gone, Marsha will come back because she's got nowhere else to go. He says that when Norris gets out of jail, he'll be more concerned with his arthritis than his libido. He does offer Norris a wager to take, though, and invites him to come with him onto his balcony. Norris reluctantly follows. Now, I will say I did say, you know, Kressner is a bad guy, and he is, mm -hmm. what we learn of him. But also, you know, infidelity is not cool. It's not. No. I think that, that they should have uh, done the right thing. It's funny because, again, um, we're framed just like in something to tide you over where it's like, oh, just let them be together. <laughs> yeah. Because of how horrible he is. Yeah. And you're like, let love, <laughs> let it live or whatever. And it's like, no wonder she cheated on your ass, dude. <laughs> you're making people do this shit. Yeah. <laughs> the cat thing was good, though. Yeah. 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 So I see why she fell in love with you in the first place. <laughs> There's a good man in there. Yeah. But they stand at the railing and Kressner asks Norris what he sees when he looks down. Norris offers that he sees the street, but Kressner isn't talking about the street far down below. He's talking about the ledge that runs along the building. This brings him to the wager that he's proposing. He says that it's very simple. He describes the top of the building as an architectural monstrosity, citing its little nooks and crannies and wings. He says that if Norris can make it all the way around, they'll take away the heroine, give him the money, and give him Marsha. But one slip, though. Kressner pantomimes Norris falling all the way down to the ground. Fed up. Norris tries to head back inside the apartment, but he's met with the wall of Ducky standing in the doorway, munching on a sandwich. So he, yeah. this is very casual for yeah. him. He got back to this apartment yeah. and yeah. he's like, that was a lot of work. I'm going to yeah. go ahead and. This is just a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so really, you're already making my decision for me. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Kressner tells him that that's the bet. He'll get the girl, the gold watch, everything. Kressner's like, scream all you want, Norris. This is a private building. Yeah. I own it all. <laughs> <laughs> he screams with him. And, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and who does he keep looking off camera to when sticking his tongue out? Like he did it yeah. like twice. He's having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell. Because there's a part that, he's, that he, he's an honest better, basically. Yeah. And yeah. then he's like, yeah. <laughs> like, come on, dude. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. And he does it when Norris can't see. So I was like, why are you doing this? He already doesn't trust you. <laughs> You're not surprising him with yeah, anything. No, <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> this was also a little nod to he offers him the girl, the gold watch and everything. Mm -hmm. And the girl, the gold watch and everything was a TV movie that Robert Hayes started. That was pretty cute. That's really cool. But he offers him that or getting a lot of time in Rahway prison. He and Ducky smile at Norris and Norris walks over to the railing and takes a look at the ledge again before asking Kressner if he goes back on his bets. With a smile, Kressner tells him never in his life. I thought it would be Shawshank, but I don't know if Shawshank even existed at the time. 
When did he write that? That's a really good point. Huh. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know the for sure the movie didn't. I'm yeah, not it was sure in the about 90s, the story. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Although it is Atlantic City, so it's like we're not even in Maine, yeah. dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not gonna send you all the way yeah. up there. <laughs> That'd be weird. <laughs> Rawway prison. <laughs> but the cat who I was sure that Kressner was going to name Lucky mm-hmm. because he was like, Westlake was like, oh, he's lucky or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's named him Sebastian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> get that at all. Which make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but he hops out of Kressner's arms to hug Norris's legs before heading inside. He was like, good luck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> You're not like me. You're going to yeah, need he's it. Like, I, could, I could barely get across. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kressner says that since Sebastian likes him, that could be a good sign. Norris swings one leg, then the other, out from the balcony. He lowers himself onto the thin ledge, nearly falling already. He holds onto the railing of the balcony, terrified. The cars below go on their way, oblivious. Kressner is tickled pink, saying that the ledge is five inches wide, but once you're on it, it feels really more like three or two. One. Come on now. That's yeah. not. <laughs> it feels like nothing yeah. at all. <laughs> I'd be I'd be throwing up. There's no fu- there's no fucking oh, way. No, there's no. no fucking way. No. no I'll I, go I'll go to Rawway. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, it was not mine. It's supposed to be my well, own. I'll cry. I'll do the whole thing. Just like five inches, like my my feet. Yeah. On that ledge. You're barely you're not even I'm scared. <laughs> Literally. I, yeah. Cause I was thinking too, I was like, well, can I just sit on there and scooch all the way around? And I was like, Oh no. You can't crawl. Yeah. You, nothing. No. And I do want to say, um, I think and we talked about it on the episode, but it feels like there was a little nod to this in 1408. Yeah. For sure. That I yeah. very much appreciate. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to talk about how they filmed this because it looks really good. Yeah. yeah. The way that they filmed it is it's kind of a trick of the angles mm-hmm. because the only thing that really exists, this was filmed on a soundstage and the only thing that really exists is that balcony in the building. Everything else is a miniature. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. And the way that it's shot from these angles, it appears that it's all part of what you're seeing. Yeah, yeah. But it, it really isn't. It looks good. It really does. I was surprised. I was like in 85. Like, yeah. yeah. And so for them to say that, and that means that those cars are probably like little remote controlled. Yeah. yeah I, I did. I can't remember what I had, if I read it or if I saw it on something, but they said that it was being pulled on a conveyor. That's why they all move at the same speed at the same time. Oh, and yeah. if they stop, they all stop. <laughs> and there's one shot later where it's like really perilous. So your attention is on Norris. Mm-hmm. But one of the cars is kind of like at an angle and it's still just going straight. <laughs> like don't pay attention to that. Yeah. We're not looking at the cars right no, now. No, worry about Norris. <laughs> <laughs> they said that the set was just, I think it's, they said 12 to 15 feet off the ground. Okay. And so they, the only re- and they said that they could have filmed it flat out on on the ground mm. but the reason they did that is so they can get angles shots mm. above and below yeah. yeah and so having both of those i just i was just surprised at how well it looks yeah in you know 85 yeah. yeah that's the thing is i know that there were uh miniatures like you said i think there were matte paintings as well yeah but it's like it's really good yeah. you know i feel like it definitely holds up and the thing is, when you're thinking about it from cinematography standpoint, mm-hmm. a lot of times now what takes you out of CG is that it's not lit the same. Yeah. And you can see it standing out from the scene. Yeah. But this is literally in the same room. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's going to be lit exactly the same as the actors. 
Teak was talking about it on commentary about how this is obviously before they had those capabilities. Right. But honestly, it looks better than it probably would if they did. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And we've we've said before how it can take you out of the scene. For sure. Even yeah. good movies, when you tell that it's a matte painting behind it or whatever, it's like, oh, that's... <laughs> but then there's those movies... Like like you said, T, that surprise you. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I couldn't tell that shit. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a painting or that looked so good. I don't even care. Mm -hmm. it, it didn't affect it at all. Well, I remember as a kid, this made my stomach hurt. Yeah. It made my it. stomach hurt watching it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, there's no there's no fucking way. Yeah. Heights is one of my things. Oh, yeah, and this, this no. is a fear of heights. I know I yeah. said up at the top that every story kind of addresses a fear. This is that. Fear of heights, fear of falling. Well, I thought it was gambling. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Fear of heights, fear of falling. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so if everything's based on <laughs> if everything's based on a fear what the hell is the last one we'll talk <laughs> that's very it's specific <laughs> 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 like what the hell was that <laughs> yeah like did anybody else just see that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anybody have an idea or? <laughs> but referring to Kressner commenting on the width of the ledge Norris asks how the hell he would know and Kressner kneels down to speak to him face to face he tells him that what he really thinks is that Norris will stay there for a moment before quitting and climbing back up if his arms still have the strength he says that he doesn't think he's got the guts he just doesn't. Norris boldly and maybe stupidly lets go of the railing to give Kressner the finger. Not maybe stupidly, stupidly for sure. Yeah. You know how easy it is to say fuck you and maintain your balance? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Use your words, Norris. <laughs> Kressner grabs onto his finger and lets go, nearly causing Norris to fall, but he gets his footing again. He starts to slide along the wall, but is startled when Kressner starts whipping the tie of his robe at him. This almost makes Norris fall again, but Kressner is laughing his ass off, saying that he's just trying to keep him on his toes. But again, I think that's why we established his style of betting with Westlake at the beginning, because he's like, anybody can do whatever they want. You're allowed to interfere. You're allowed to fight. Like he, he made it very clear. But that's not, I mean, it, it you can still bet on it, but that's not real betting. Yeah. That's not a bet is luck. Here, I'm going to flip this coin. Call it. Yeah. But you know I'm allowed I mean? to smack the coin. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I'm allowed <laughs> to flip it once it's done. Yeah. <laughs> now, anybody can do whatever they want. And I think that's a huge difference from him being like, yeah. Like, and and that like kind of murdering a man. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the same name. He My, said that's what life's all about. I guess. Norris continues on his journey and Kressner heads back inside, nearly tripping over the cat. He almost falls and the cat hisses at him for good measure. He's like, You're not the man I thought. You were. <laughs> <laughs> I trusted you. <laughs> <laughs> But this isn't breaking his mood. Still giggling, he runs into his bedroom, past the hot tub, and over the waterbed to his closet. The wind whistles loudly as Norris takes the first corner of the building. As he comes to a small alcove, birds fly out at him and he screams as he nearly falls again. Kressner is still searching for something in his closet when Norris makes it to the alcove. There are two windows, and he tries the first, but it's locked. Kressner peeks out at him as he tries the second one. So 
dude's got a penthouse. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is clearly his apartment still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. I mean, okay. I just think that part of, <laughs> I don't know that Norris knew that. Yeah. Because that's I, not fair. I didn't know that. No. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you see me here too? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Bullshit. I get any privacy? <laughs> this is nerve wracking enough as it is. No, shit. I got people watching me. <laughs> <laughs> but the window is open, but Ducky stands there ready to strike. Out of nowhere, Kressner leans out of the first window and honks a horn in Norris's face, scaring the shit out of him. He tries to grab onto the curtains, but only takes them with him as he slides down the inlet. There's no way he had that clown horn around already. Yeah. yeah that's what he was searching for in the closet. He bought that for oh. No, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> then when he rounds this corner. Kressner leans out of the window expectantly, but Norris cries up to him, you bastard. Kressner laughs his ass off, telling Norris again that he's just keeping him on his toes before tossing the horn at him, which was really overkill. Uh, yeah. yeah. I got to be honest. I don't know how Norris survived. This. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Because there's a little thing called gravity <laughs> and balance, and there's no way. He's a ninja. I guess. I'm impressed. Now, the the horn you could tell wasn't there. Oh, no. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was clearly shot separately. Yeah. <laughs> but we see that Norris has landed on the ledge below, wrapped in the curtain. The horn flips over and over during its long descent to the sidewalk, and it crunches on impact. Kressner closes the window back, and Norris gets to his feet. Back in the apartment, the cat is pissed and still hissing at Kressner. <laughs> Kressner tells him to knock it off and asks where his sense of humor is. Outside, Norris has climbed back to the proper ledge, but there is a pigeon oh, God. that is very interested in him. As he inches along, the bird sits right next to him, and when Norris tries to nudge it along, it begins to peck at his ankle every step of the way. Norris cries out in pain and nearly falls when he tries to kick the bird away. The bird is not deterred and continues pecking in one spot, drawing blood through Norris's sock. I don't know why the spot of blood was hilarious to me. Yeah. Sad. He's like, oh, he broke the skin. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's wild. And I was like, what, your sock's made of bird seed? What the hell's going on here? I don't understand. He's like, no, this is my ledge. Get the fuck up. It's one of Mike Tyson's pigeons. Oh, sh- He's got to keep jabbing him. <laughs> he learned from him. But Norris continues to inch along, taking the bird's abuse until he makes it around the corner where there is a wide insert. There's a lot of room here, and he is able to wind up and kick the bird away. Feathers flying. Once again, another bird attacked on our show. I don't, yeah. I don't understand, and just wait. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no bird is safe. No, no I, I hate that for us. Yeah. He sits down, finally able to take a moment to catch his breath, but Kressner calls out to him from above. Norris looks up in time to see Kressner wielding a high-pressure hose before he turns it on and sprays him. Norris fights to stay in the recess, but when Kressner turns the water off, he asks if Norris thinks this is more fun than humans should be allowed to have. No! (laughs) I don't think that at all! I just, I feel like he's like a Batman villain. Yeah. <laughs> like, this yeah. is nuts. He's just like the pink Grusner. one up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is. It just gets more and more. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's already got the birds working for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't remember if the penguin actually did that. <laughs> he should have. It's his namesake. Yeah. 
Get some penguins on board. <laughs> they all flock to him. Ah, all yeah, right, because he's a bird. Mm-hmm. Yes, well played. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Norris vows to kill him, but Kressner corrects him. He will most assuredly kill him if he doesn't get moving within thirty seconds. He warns that the valve was only half open, and if he opens it all the way, he'll blow him out of that hole. It's funny because he was like, I know there's a place for him to rest. I'm going to be fucking, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get the hose. Well, you never, was there ever a time limit? No. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's just not fair. He yells at Norris again to move and Norris does, whispering his vow to kill Kressner. He inches along the ledge, body flat against the building, and he goes without incident until he reaches back around to the original side. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we were talking off mic and t and i remembered it being a lot longer than dude yeah. like traversing this building because he makes it around very quick oh no i know he got packed he's fast he got packed he got sprayed he got a horn thrown at him but he makes it around really fast yeah. <laughs> and isn't this what we've seen earlier uh, well <laughs> i swear i i really did we were talking i, I thought this segment was and maybe it's because of the, the fear of heights yeah right, right thinking this is like 45 minutes of him doing this yeah, yeah. not at all it's maybe like five and a half he's not he's not 100 percent back to the balcony but he's back around he made it through three sides of the building yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's wild <laughs> Before he can get back to the balcony, though, he has to cross the neon sign for the building. The cat steps out onto the ledge from the balcony to watch. He's like, dude, just do this. (laughs) Just do it like this. It's not that hard. Norris tries to climb up onto the logo, but his weight causes it to disconnect from the wall. It falls, dangling him above the long drop, and Norris hangs from one hand until he is able to regain his composure. The thing is, those signs are so heavy. Mm Mm-hmm. You're telling me that those five foot screws can't hold him going across it. <laughs> it's like, oh, that was it. That yeah. sign's gotta be massive up there on that building. It only had enough for the sign. <laughs> if a bird landed on it, we that were. Was <laughs> I think that sign was gonna fall anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kressner was loosening no. the bolts. And honestly, I I feel like there there's. He didn't need to climb on it like that. Yeah. No. He climbed on it like the most precarious (laughs) way possible. He did it for the story. Oh, well. He lives for the drama. (laughs) But the cat watches as sparks fly down. Norris uses an exposed cable to climb, but it soon rips from the letters and Norris is dangling once again. He pulls himself back up to the ledge as Kressner comes to join the cat and watching the struggle. When he pulls himself up successfully, Kressner's expression sours, but he regains a small smile as he thinks of something and heads inside. The cat stays to offer uh, moral support. (laughs) He switched sides. He's like, you can do it. You can do this. (laughs) Give me a cut of it, though. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Where's my cut? Yes. As Norris inches his way to the balcony, the cat heads back inside. Kressner is instructing Albert to put something in a bag on top of the money. Albert brings a cooler and Kressner supplies a bag. He tells Albert to come out when he says, all right, all right, Mr. Norris. And Albert says that he knows his cue is all right, Mr. Norris. But Kressner insists that it's all right, all right, Mr. Norris. <laughs> it's very important. Yes. Yeah. I will say it's funny to me because, you know, Kressner's like, look, I didn't think it was going to make it easy. But- yeah. <laughs> I, we gotta figure this out quick i threw a lot of roadblocks in his yeah. way <laughs> and somehow he's here but we've got to get this ready <laughs> norris pulls himself back up onto kressner's balcony 
Panting, he stumbles into the apartment. Kressner delivers his line and tells Norris that he told him he doesn't go back on his bets. Albert comes into frame with the gun in his hand, and Kressner admits that he's just an extremely poor loser. But this is you going back on your bed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very clear. No, but he's he's doing that thing like making a deal with the devil. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like you better be real clear. Yeah. <laughs> he says that he promised Norris three things: his car clean the money, and his wife. He kicks over the bag in front of him. Money comes spilling out along with Marsha's head, which goes rolling across the floor. The cat screams and <laughs> runs away. <laughs> Norris screams too. In the in the story, he's like, um, and my wife, whose body you can pick up at the morgue. Like, he doesn't have her fucking head. Oh, <laughs> so, oh so he just murdered he's her? He's killed her. Yeah, oh. yeah. no, well, she's still dead. Because I, I was going to ask, where's the rest of the, where's... Like, I got the head. Where's the rest? Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's I, inconsequential. I have to be honest. It's way more effective in the film. Right. Because yeah. if he's Could like... be lying. Yeah. He's it, a liar. Yeah. No. <laughs> he's yeah. lied to you all night. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, down at the city? Like, you can call right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a short story. We can't go down there. Marsha Kressner. <laughs> ask, ask about it. I, I do want to say that I've watched this countless times mm. i somehow forgot that he straight up murdered and decapitated his wife yeah i forgot about crazy. the head for sure completely I in this pg-13 yeah <laughs> so so then if he fell your wife is dead too what do you do now now he got his revenge and he got to torture this dude and he gets to keep his money then just let your wife run away with them if you're gonna kill her anyway yeah, I, I can't. I'm not in Crestor's mind. <laughs> I can't think the way the man thinks. No, it's pretty warped. Yeah. But Crestor asks how he likes that. <laughs> and Norris is like, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, he rushes him, screaming and throwing him down onto the couch. Albert springs into action, coming to Crestor's defense. But the cat trips him yeah. and he goes sprawling. <laughs> he came with the assist. Mm -hmm. The gun flies. And when Albert tries to grab it, Norris kicks him in the face and takes it for himself. Albert scrambles for the front door, but Norris shoots him in the back before he can leave. Again, I did not remember him killing this yeah. guy. <laughs> he turns the gun on Kressner, and this is when the cat says, my name is Paul, and this shit's between y'all, and he takes the fuck off out the front door. He's like, see you in the next segment. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> he got his milk, and he was like, all right, I'm done here. That's all I need. Don't dream about me no more, kid. <laughs> With the gun pointed at him, Kressner offers him a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, a million in a Swiss bank account. Trying to act casual, he slides over to a penthouse magazine on the coffee table and begins to flip through it. Now, this was cute because when the ledge was first published, it was published in that penthouse magazine. Really? So that's cute. All right. He's like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, Norris, this is this yeah. is about us. <laughs> Right, let me read ahead. Hold on. Yeah. Right, that, oh, that's not good. Yeah, this, this not like a, is this fucking story about us? Yeah. <laughs> Norris seems to soften for a moment, but when his eyes find Marsha's head again, he refuses. Kressner ups the offer to two million. It's always funny to me in these, like um, the Hitchhiker and Creep Show too, when she's like, "How much do you want? Fifty? <laughs> Why are you lowballing for your life? Yeah, <laughs> for your life. Well, you're, you know, there's still a little bit of you in there. Yeah. 
That's hilarious to me. I just I'm I, like, is everything I have? You yeah. can have all of it. I just find it funny. Like, who carries around a fifty? <laughs> <laughs> I very rarely am in possession of a 50 yeah. to offer to a ghoul hitchhiker to, for that to yeah. start there. I, mean, I can give you 60 bucks. I'm sad. I'm, sa- I'm sad about losing that extra 10. It's but really going to hurt me. I don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> the ATMs are wild, yeah. man. I got no you fucking choice. You can't even get 50 out of ATMs. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> But instead, Norris offers him a bet, not a wager because he's not a big fancy hood like Krusner. He's just an over the hill tennis bum with a dead girlfriend. He offers him a simple little bet and looks over toward the balcony. We cut to Krusner on the ledge, his body pressed to the building and his robe billowing in the wind. He offers Norris five million. (laughs) It's like you still have more, dude. And you still climbed onto that ledge. That is wild. The gun still pointed at Kressner from his safe spot on the balcony. Norris tells him that he was right. This is fun. Kressner begs him to tell him that this is a joke, but Norris shoots at his feet. When Kressner nearly loses balance, Norris tells him that he's just keeping him on his toes. He says to keep moving or the next one will be a lot closer. The cat makes it out of the building and runs down the sidewalk. He stops to inspect the broken horn from earlier. He's like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Kressner cries out that Norris is a son of a bitch as he makes his way along the ledge. The friendly neighborhood bird comes and starts pecking at his ankle, just like he'd done to Norris, but Kressner can't hang. It's funny that he got kicked off, but he's still like, nah, bitch, this is my ledge. Gregory Peck makes a return. (laughs) (laughs) I I was laughing because I'm like, he clearly paid this bird earlier. And then now... He tries to shoo the bird away, but ends up falling himself. The cat sees this and hides under a car as Kressner screams and we watch him make his descent. We see the cat's muted reaction as we hear Kressner meet his end on the sidewalk. You hear him hit the horn. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, a little... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it softens the blow a little bit. <laughs> but He's like, I think I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be damned. <laughs> Glad that horn was there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what did y'all think of the ledge? Um, it was all right. This one isn't. <laughs> the, this one's probably my least favorite of the three. I feel like they usually sandwich the less strong stories in the middle, yeah, so that they can start with the bang and end with the bang. Yeah. Um, just tonally, it is weird in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I I will say I do. I enjoy the premise. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh what he makes him do, the concept of it is very good and terrifying. Oh yeah. Right. Um I will this something about Norris's demeanor at the end where he's like, "You know what? This is fun." Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, "You're the love of my life." <laughs> yeah, you just her head's in there now. <laughs> Like that's me. Those are the lines that I'd be saying. Yeah. Um, so he's still in shock. it was a little yeah. wild that he's like, the next one will be a lot closer. Yeah. It's like you're speaking, you're speaking and intel in what? <laughs> so you know we we react we react differently right. to things. You know he'll process it later after well, I hope he gets so. his revenge. Well, um, he gets to keep the cash. You yeah. know what I mean? He, I, it, it's, I think the top half's a little dirty, but 
the top half of the Hey, scrape he, off the top. Yeah. <laughs> He's got that heroin. He get rid of it real quick to make up for it. Get rid of it real quick. quick. You turn it over. Yeah. So, uh, so now I he's mean, yeah, you flip it. <laughs> now he's Turned selling he's yeah. drugs outside of the hey, building. He's, he's hurting. He's depressed. He's his got nothing to got lose. Cut off. I, and again, he'll process it in his own way. Not to bring up, I saw the devil again. <laughs> <laughs> but we all got our own method, you know. On site. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But we cut to a train chugging along the track and Tex tells us that we're in Wilmington, North Carolina. So now <laughs> this cat got on a train mm-hmm. and rode for eight and a half hours to be here. Apparently. Eight and a half. He is, he is on a mission. Well, you know what I'm, I remember? Cats sleep a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was really a blink to him. <laughs> but again our cat is sitting in the train as it moves along the tracks suddenly we cut to a wooded area and we're in the point of view of something moving quickly along the grass and dirt we stop when we come up to a road on the road the cat rides by in the bed of a truck (laughs) (laughs) he's hitchhiking he put his paw out to the wind (laughs) And once the truck is out of sight, we are back in the point of view of the thing close to the ground, moving fast across the street and panting. When the truck obeys a stop sign, the cat hops out onto the road. (laughs) He's like, this is my stop. (laughs) As the creature in the woods, we pant and groan as we rush up to a house. We are now in the general story. Mm -hmm. The shot that we get pov of this creature Mm -hmm. that's rushing up to the tree and everything teague had said that it was difficult because they used a steady cam okay and the difficulty was keeping it so close to the ground which we'll learn why later yeah but he said that to do this they went through three steady cam operators holy shit because the first two could not do it like get out of (laughs) here yeah next i'm like you're just firing people on set like that's that's insane But in front of the house, Amanda, played by Drew Barrymore, playfully washes the car with her father, Hugh, played by James Naughton. The creature zooms in on Amanda. Her mother, Sally Ann, played by Candy Clark, comes out to call them in for lunch. So I wanted to call out Candy Clark. Okay. Because I learned on commentary that she was in American Graffiti, which we just talked about last week. Right. Because the star of Puppet Master was also in American Graffiti. Oh, shit. So that was wild. Yeah, that's crazy. That is. <laughs> yeah. With the door open behind her, the creature races to get inside the house. The cat comes up and sees this and immediately decides, not today. He runs after the creature, going straight into the house. Nobody saw the creature, but they do see the cat. Amanda is thrilled and runs into the house asking if they can keep it. But Sally Ann is sure that he belongs to somebody else. And we can hear them going back and forth as we see the cat run into Amanda's room. A bird is perched in a cage and immediately I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, that's I literally wrote not a bird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say again, we had the same uh, discussion with Puppet Master last week. Right. Where it really is just like, how is nobody seeing yeah. Literally. This? No shit. But the cat's like, excuse me. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Yeah, it's just <laughs> down to our house. <laughs> it's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Amanda runs in and scoops up the cat. Sally Ann cautions her to put it down, but Amanda assures her that the count won't bite her because he likes her. She's like, me and this cat are fucking connected. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I think I've been, for about 90 minutes, I've been sending <laughs> psychic messages to right, it. I've but seen I don't... this cat somewhere. I'm yeah. sure I have. <laughs> the bird watches nervously as Sally Ann takes the cat away from her daughter. To Amanda's protest, she reasons that they can't keep every stray that comes into the house. Amanda offers that they would have a vet check on him. If the vet checks the cat and says there's nothing wrong, and if no one comes to claim him, she begs to keep him. She begs pretty please, even adding sugar on top. Sally Ann doesn't answer her daughter, but the smile on her face makes it pretty clear that Amanda might just get her way. That night, Amanda lays on the ground, her face inches away from the cats as he drinks from a saucer of milk. She asks his name, but he's a little busy. <laughs> Dude, he loves this yeah. going after it. <laughs> it was the most adorable thing ever. Yeah. She asks him if he'll guard her, and with a big smile, she says that she thinks he will. We quickly see that she has named the cat General as she whines, begging her mother to let him sleep in her room. Sally Ann is firm on this, saying that he doesn't have bedroom privileges as she sets him out the back door. Amanda is very bummed, but she wishes General good night as Sally Ann closes the door. The next morning, Amanda is watching Tom and Jerry loud as fuck as she has <laughs> breakfast with you. Well, there's no other way to watch Tom and Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> Outside, General is sneaking back up to the house. Sally Ann comes in and turns off the TV, ready to have it out with Amanda. She accuses Amanda of bringing the cat in last night to sleep in her room. When Amanda denies this, Sally Ann presents the evidence of cat hair all over Amanda's bed and the fact that a lot of her dolls were knocked over. Amanda insists that she dreamed that General was in her room last night and says that this is far out. Sally counters that he will be far out if she does this again <laughs> because she'll send General to the animal shelter. I will say that her uh, comeback was pretty good. It was. <laughs> she said, bitch, I'll show you far out. I don't like the idea of her plans for this cat. Yeah. yeah. But uh, And I will say that it was cute because they show Tom and Jerry and they show the cat inching toward the house. Yeah. yeah. I was like, this is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a hero to us. <laughs> a really tragic figure. Yeah, honestly. he's been through too much. It's just, it's it's really sad. It's really sad, really. You know the theory that they actually are friends, Tom and Jerry? Oh, no, they're just playing or what? Yeah, because he, you know, in order to keep him around or whatever. It's like a whole thing. Oh, so no, that they don't I get don't rid know. of him? Yeah, so that's all this. Although he does, like, beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a regular they basis. They fuck each other up. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how friendly that is, but. <laughs> I'm still going to choose to believe him. <laughs> He's giving him job security, man. Yeah, they love it. That's yeah. really sweet. <laughs> Amanda is immediately heartbroken, telling her mother that that is not fair. Hugh offers literally no help, but Sally Ann tries to reason with Amanda to think about Polly, the bird. Amanda says, though, that General loves Polly and they get along great. <laughs> <laughs> I Her ability to bullshit is pretty good. Yeah. Because <laughs> we have no evidence of any of this. Right. <laughs> and Polly was so wet and when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Sally Ann cites the natural order of things, saying that birds and cats do not get along great. Outside, General eats some grass as he watches a bird. As Amanda goes to bat for him, proclaiming General to be nonviolent, he pounces on the bird. <laughs> Hugh finally speaks up, saying that Sally Ann talked to Amanda's Nana last night, and her Nana let her in on the fact that cats steal children's breath. 
Amanda doesn't understand why General would want to take her breath when he's got his own, but Hugh just puts on an accent, imitating his mother-in-law and insisting that all animals, especially cats, need to be put outside or they'll climb up on a kid's chest and suck all their breath out. I, at first, I didn't realize that he was being whatever culturally insensitive. Yeah. I thought he was being Dracula. I thought he was talking about his mom. No, he's making fun of his wife's mom. And it comes up a lot. He's like, I'm going to, I really shouldn't have done that. I fucked yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like five lines of his dialogue are like, that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's really fucking rude that I did that. <laughs> But he reenacts the breath sucking and Amanda giggles. Sally Ann, though, is not amused. She leaves the table, saying that jokes about her mother's accent ruin her appetite. She takes her plate to the sink and looks out onto the yard where General is running around with the bird in his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Not not a good look. No, she mutters, nonviolent my ass. Amanda comes in to hug her and she tells her that she's so sorry that they were laughing at Nana. But could general, please, it's like, girl, <laughs> you got to space him out. You can't kiss ass and then immediately be like, listen. <laughs> she had to try it. She, tr- yeah. she did try it. And the father should be apologizing. Yeah, yeah he should. Sally Ann tells her no and that the subject is closed. Later, Amanda rushes to the school bus. As soon as she climbs aboard, it takes off. But we pan over and discover that general is watching her from under a car. That night, Sally tosses general back outside As Amanda brushes her teeth before bed, she pushes her luck again, asking her mother if General can stay inside for the night. Sally Ann firmly tells her no and directs her back to brushing her teeth, telling her to make sure she gets the back ones because that's where the food gets stuck. Pissed off, Amanda opens her mouth wide to prove that she is brushing her back teeth. Well, because she goes, she goes, get the back. That's where the food gets stuck. Get the back. <laughs> it's like, give her a second. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying. Give she her a minute. She knows her yeah. kid. She probably doesn't get the back. <laughs> Did you think that? I thought that was going to mean something. That means nothing. Yeah. No. <laughs> I thought a creature was maybe going to eat yeah. some food. Or <laughs> like, I don't know, but it means nothing at all. <laughs> Later, Amanda lays across her bed and greets Hugh when he comes in. He tells her that it would probably be an easier sell to get General back in the house if he knew what her bad dreams were about. He tells her that when she plays the violin, everyone listens, including her mom. Amanda admits that all she can remember about her dreams is that there's a monster in it. Hugh asks what the monster is like, and Amanda reminds him of the three billy goats gruff. But her monster lives in her wall right there. Hugh looks over to where she points at the wall. So the beginning of this story would have us believe mm-hmm. that this creature just found her mm-hmm. when instead he's just coming coming back. Yeah. <laughs> That's his little apartment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had to run a few errands. <laughs> and now he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Amanda has the audacity to be chewing bubble gum after she's already brushed her teeth, but she tells her father that General kept all of the bad dreams away last night. Hugh starts to tuck his daughter in, telling her that her mother is serious about this, but Amanda says she already knows. It's just like brushing your back teeth because that's where the food gets stuck, and just like cats stealing kids' breath. She lays down and blows a big bubble. Hugh admits that him making fun of Sally Ann's mom probably didn't get them off to the best start, but he might be able to bring her around. He's like, I did fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know that was like 12 hours ago. I'm still thinking about it. I really fucked up. It was very insensitive. (laughs) 
He offers no promises and Amanda accepts this, kissing him on the cheek. Hugh takes her bubblegum with him as he goes, but he pauses at the door, telling Amanda that there are no real monsters. And Amanda agrees that she guesses that she knows that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Hugh turns off the light and promises no bad dreams. Amanda agrees. No bad dreams. But alone in her room now with the door closed, her eyes drift to the wall where her monster lives. That night, Sally Ann and Hugh sit up reading. Sally Ann reading Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hugh puts his book away and tells his wife solemnly that he thinks that Amanda was starting to cry when he kissed her goodnight. Sally Ann calls bullshit, but she puts her book away and they cuddle up together. Hugh offers that maybe they can revisit the topic and talk about it some more. And Sally Ann reluctantly agrees, saying that she just doesn't trust that cat. Why? I don't know. The cat did not make that dude walk on the ledge. That, no. that was not his yeah. fault, all right? His paws are yeah, clean. That- <laughs> Hasn't the cat been through it? I know she doesn't know this. But, yeah, but yeah. he has, I promise. <laughs> Swear. Do you know how long of a train ride he had to take to be here? Yeah, <laughs> really. I didn't have to take that eight-hour train. No, yeah, dude. I did that for yeah. your daughter. Yeah, like, I can go back to Atlantic City <laughs> tonight. Right? I was lucky. I was, yeah. yeah, I was actually there. There's a dude there that owes me a lot of money. <laughs> I was living in a penthouse. I... <laughs> it's all true. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is. Outside, General tries to break in through <laughs> through the basement window. <laughs> But when it doesn't open, he rushes off. As Amanda sleeps in her room, something jingles and lets out a loud sneeze. Polly's cage rattles as she chirps inside, and there's a distinct movement and grumbling from behind the wall. Finally, the baseboards begin to give way and let out a creature. With beady eyes, sharp teeth, and bells at the tips of its cap, the troll, played by Daniel Rogers and voiced by Frank Welker, emerges we just talked about frank welker yeah yeah deep blue sea yes fred jones (laughs) (laughs) i will say i love how the wall opens for this creature to come out that is very yeah yeah i will give it that uh i did want to talk about the design of this creature Mm -hmm. okay or at least the designer of this creature it was a guy called carlo rambaldi and I just want to list a few of his credits. I have six things. Mm-hmm. A few of them are going to be a little more important to certain people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm starting with Lisa and the Devil, which is a film by Mario Bava. Right. Important to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have the film Deep Red, which is a film from Dari Argento. <laughs> <laughs> but then I have Possession. Okay. Oh. All right. I have Silver Bullet. Oh, oh very nice. Close Encounters. Yeah. All right. E.T. Okay. An alien. Okay. There you go. So this dude is kind of a prolific creature designer. Yeah. Yeah. And for him to have designed this, and they they were talking about it on commentary, it took 15 people to operate this with the animatronics. Damn. And we see close up all these different facial. Uh, It's a lot. It's a lot. And you see eyebrows and it's a ton of stuff. I don't like it, but. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah but it's 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 very good work and it's very well <laughs> it's very well realized and i think i'm starting to learn that i just don't every anthology seems to have like a little creature segment i yeah. told you that last week you did. that i feel like you just don't like t- 
the tiny creatures. Yeah. And I think, John Paul, that you love the tiny creatures. No, I like the way this guy looks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the Zuni fetish in Trilogy of Terror. Yeah, he's all right. I, <laughs> I'm like, I don't not, like it. And then you don't like that. He's all right. I don't understand. I don't understand. No, and I'll be honest, the only reason I do enjoy this because for me, a little bit of the the way it's designed kind of looks like a skin mite or like a dust mite or whatever. Like the, and, and, it does. Th- and those on the under the magnifying like are terrifying. Why Did are those they... things live on us or in our eyelashes? It's like, why are they always there? And that's kind of what this reminded me of was like, I guess a crossbreed of some on humanoid version of that or something. I was like, yeah, that's fucking terrifying. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> I do not agree. Yeah, but I understand. I do understand. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted, since we're kind of having an aside before we jump back into the story, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about the way that they were able to um, kind of have the creature running around this bedroom. Mm-hmm. And, Instead of scaling everything down to for the creature to be the appropriate size yeah. or whatever, the actor that is the creature when when it's being uh, when it's being played by a person or whatever yeah. is um, four feet tall. Okay, and so use that as a scale to realize what they did when they constructed this bedroom around this person well you could there they made is, a giant fucking bedroom yeah. for this actor to run around in and so it was to where any of the pieces had to be moved by multiple people i wrote it down about the bed it says it was over 20 by 40 feet Damn. and it Jesus. made guinness for world's largest bed <laughs> holy shit <laughs> yes and so when you see the creature crawling on it and running along the um like there's like dressers and like little tables and stuff he's four feet tall Mm -hmm. so imagine how fucking big this shit is it's insane i i did hear on commentary they were talking about one of the chairs okay they had said that when you're doing a film you you know you say we need to move a chair for a shot you just get a guy to move the chair yeah he said for this with the this sequence they needed two forklifts damn Hey, you know what though? I again, <laughs> I I like it. Yeah. Because it keeps me in and it makes me feel like I'm right behind this tiny little dude. I yeah. feel like it would have been so fun to be on this set oh, and yeah. like pretend you're like Alice in Wonderland yeah. or something. Uh-huh. That is that is so fucking cool that yeah. they were like, you know what? We'll fuck. We'll build it around. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's pretty wild. That's cool. And I'm thinking maybe it's the creature's demeanor that I don't like. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I just there's something about this dude i'm not into you're like amanda's mom i just don't yeah. trust. i just don't like this troll <laughs> so is he a troll or is he a pixie or they, he's they, credited they, as a troll as yeah, a troll they call yes. him a troll because i know aren't fairies really supposed to be evil looking kind of scary, kind looking. Of scary looking i yeah. think so yeah um but this is the one that was written specifically for this film okay this was just the idea that stephen king had and then kind of fully fleshed it out for Dino De Laurentiis when he kind of wanted a vehicle right. for Drew Barrymore. So there is no source material. There is not like, I don't know. I know nothing about this. Story. Yeah. <laughs> I know no backstory. I know nothing. Um, I did. We can, now that the troll has been introduced, oh, I yeah, think yeah, well, yeah. talk about the um, kind of prologue mm-hmm. <laughs> that was cut. I read about it, but you said you heard him talking about it. So 
if you can tell us about that. Sure. He talked about it on commentary. Okay. The film was supposed to open with a child played by Drew Barrymore. Okay. Who had their breath stolen and did not wake up. And so- By the troll. By the troll. Okay. But the cat that we know and love, (laughs) he was in the room as well, and the family blamed the cat for what happened, and they kicked him out. And so that's why he's on the streets at the beginning. Okay. Getting chased by Cujo and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I in what I read, the dad is chasing him with the gun. Yeah. He, no, wait, fuck? that's right. Because they talked about it on the commentary. He said that the father has a machine gun oh and my is God. shooting the house. Shooting around the house for this cat. That's too much. <laughs> yeah. That's too much. And he said, <laughs> what Louis Teague had said was that he goes, you know, and I was really upset at the time that they decided to cut this prologue because I thought it really gave really gave the cat a lot of backstory. Did it, was Which, it like an outline of the cat and I bullets guess, along the wall? I guess so. <laughs> but he said going back and realizing what we had written and what we were going to do, it was too much. Oh, and yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, it a machine a gun? Yeah. It is a lot. <laughs> But I mean, that kind of explains the cats being haunted, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. And were you just sitting there watching it when it happened? And he could <laughs> like do he nothing. Was in the room. Yeah. It's and so, but what then a that, tragic that, backstory. It sets up, I guess, the you know what we're about to get. Yeah. Because he really has. He's been chasing this troll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once again. I saw the devil. Yeah. <laughs> On sight. But I feel like that could have been done in in a different way still you could have still incorporated that and tied it into everything somehow the other the middle story i don't know like like the fact that this cat and this troll have a history yeah well without the machine gun i'd say without no that's what i'm saying we can do that different or maybe also the kid just gets sick or something yeah yeah. or is struggling to breathe or you know anything like that is a lot to open this film with but they said as well that the pov shots that we see from the trolls perspective Mm -hmm. would have been peppered throughout and so when we see him the first time it's a return yeah running up to this house at the beginning of the segment we already know who it is and what's going on ah okay okay so i mean see there are aspects of it that i like yeah and the fact that the cat as soon as he saw that troll was like "Uh uh-uh and ran right yeah yeah Yeah. so i do like that that recognition and then kind of kind of we see why (laughs) this cat is going across the country (laughs) yeah yeah um but that's too much yeah i thought happy medium dial it back a little bit nearly every aspect of it is too much yeah (laughs) just wild wild. (laughs) but back to the troll his bells jingling, he scurries across the floor and laughs when he reaches the stand for Polly's cage. He climbs up, tense music mounting, and Polly does not like this one bit. She squeals and flaps around the cage, but the troll does not stop. He makes it to the top and crawls underneath the cover of the cage. After bending open the bars with his bare hands, we see the cage rocking and hear the troll chuckle as Polly meets an untimely end. Another bird that we have seen depart on the show. Rest in peace. Yeah, all the bird hate in these movies. It's got to stop. Yeah, it's unbird of. I just, <laughs> I just really don't understand why this keeps happening to us. Why are we picking? I, we didn't even pick this one. No, no we, but we it is. Patreon, this is on y'all. <laughs> From the shiny beaks to the golden feet, we must protect these birds. Mm-hmm. The cockatoo, the lovebird, the macaw. Mm-hmm. We've got to protect them. 
Help with the bird. <laughs> <laughs> this is a cry. This yeah, is a is. rally. Every feather, no matter the weather. Yeah, <laughs> see, every time. <laughs> every movie we've been fucking watching. Every birds. week, no matter the week. We got it, we got it man. Somebody's got to stand up for these guys. <laughs> but outside. General senses the disturbance in the force and looks up at Amanda's window. The troll hauls ass across the room before finally climbing up to Amanda's bed. When he hears a dog barking, he turns and growls, but continues forward, creeping toward the sleeping Amanda. He walks over to her, pulling the cover back and hissing when he gets to her face. With a small hand, he reaches out and pinches her nose closed. Amanda starts to breathe out of her mouth in response, and the troll is pleased. General starts to climb up the tree outside of Amanda's window, and when he climbs into the room, he hisses at the troll before the troll is able to do anything. He's like, you fucking son of a bitch! (laughs) We have a history. (laughs) The troll hisses back at General, brandishing a knife at him, but he's still scared enough to jump from the bed and flip around the room. General rushes after him, but gets the dagger thrown at him for his trouble. He cries out when the dagger hits home, and in all the commotion, the birdcage is knocked over. It crashes to the ground. The troll laughs. General gets the fuck out of Dodge, and both Amanda and her parents are startled awake. Just before her parents come into the room, Amanda realizes that her bird is sadly no longer with us. Sally Ann and Hugh come in, concerned, and Amanda looks up at them with tears on her face. Through sobs, she explains that Polly is dead and the monster in her wall killed her. When I'm talking about this monster's demeanor, oh, no. <laughs> she is groggy waking up during after this whole battle, which, by the way, the cat took that knife like a champion. Yeah. yeah. He was like, <laughs> and, <Yeah>. just, <laughs> and just, just kept going. It was he like the guy with yeah. the umbrella at the beginning. <laughs> but um, she she's, you know, got blurry, just woke up vision, and she sees something moving across the floor of her room. And it's obviously the troll, mm-hmm. but she calls out and she's like, general? And he goes, meow. And he like laughs and he runs into the wall. He's like, are you kidding me? Wow, he's got to make her think it was a cat. It's yeah. like, he's like, everything's fine. Go back to sleep. That's unbelievable. Right. Go back to sleep with your mouth open. <laughs> and what's with the, like, why did he start with the bird? Like, what was the plan of killing the bird first? Is he really trying to frame this cat? Or is that, what is this about? Oh, maybe. Man, maybe yeah. he just want, just for funsies. He seems really awful. I don't yeah. like him. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but Hugh scoops Amanda up and tries to console her because she is sobbing. But Sally Ann, citing the open window and blood on the windowsill, proclaims that she knew it. General has been accused and tried all at once. <laughs> The next morning, while General hangs out outside, Hugh tells Sally Ann that Amanda is convinced that it wasn't the cat that killed Polly. Sally Ann sarcastically says that she knows what Amanda thinks. A troll that lived under a bridge has now taken residency in her wall. But she reminds Hugh that Amanda is only eight and he's 38 and the cat tracks on the windowsill were in the bird's blood. But how are you going to blame General when the fucking bars are bent on the front of the... Yeah. The bird cave. Yeah. I mean, just a second. The cat didn't do that. No. To examine things and things look off. Yeah. It looks weird. And I do want to just, I'm glad you brought that up because the troll is able to bend those bars. (laughs) Yeah. But later his strength becomes an issue. (laughs) (laughs) In a way that is just unbelievable. (laughs) 
Wow, he was weak. <laughs> yeah, right, he goes, he's like, I'm tired. He I, haven't used had, it all <laughs> I haven't had enough breath. Right, that. <laughs> <laughs> It's her steam, dude. Oh, oh shit. There you go. She does have some shines. Yeah. See? Mm. Okay, so maybe the troll is, you know, an affiliate of, uh, with Rose the Hat. Yeah, well, let's not get her group. <laughs> let's not demean. Oh, he does have a hat on, though. He does, but it's yeah, not the same. No, I think it's, it's not the same. Guys, it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> Can we move on? <laughs> God damn it. It's not I'm, it's not I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> But Sally Ann asks her husband if he wants to take care of Polly or if she needs to. Hugh brings a wrapped up Polly out to the outside trash. He sees General and calls him killer, warning him that he's wearing out his welcome and he thought he'd be gone already. He pets General, but when he brings his hand away, he notices blood. He picks the cat up and inspects the stab in his side, wondering who did that to him. He comes back in to report the wound to his wife, saying that it's a pretty big one. But Sally Ann just commends Polly for getting in one good peck before General killed her. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> she's got a bias. I know. She's got a bias. No, it's clear whose side she's on. Yeah. Uh. yeah. Hugh jokes that he didn't know Polly had such a big pecker, but Sally Ann only cautions him that he's going to be late for work. She's like, get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're making fun of my mother. You're yeah. <laughs> cracking jokes about our bird, our, <laughs> our beloved Polly. <laughs> our marriage is on thin ice. <laughs> get your ass to work. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> this poor dude is like, everything is rolling off his back and she's just stressed. Oh, man. Stressed. <laughs> She's screaming about this cat, and he goes outside. Hey, killer! Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like, "You're fraternizing with the cat." <laughs> he pet him. <laughs> he knows the cat didn't. <laughs> he does. He does. But once she's alone, Sally Ann immediately looks like she's up to no good. She takes off her apron and peeks out the window to ensure that her husband is leaving for work. After scooping out a can of cat food onto a dish, she comes to the back door with a bowl and a box where General waits eagerly. She opens the door and calls out to him sweetly, calling him a furry little bastard after putting the bowl into the box. General is skeptical and waits, but when Sally Ann calls his bluff by slowly closing the door, he can't help himself and rushes in for the food. As soon as he's inside the box, Sally Ann closes it around him and announces that his bird killing days are over. There is a hilarious amount of villainous music playing. I was going to say, <laughs> I was not prepared for this twist for the mom to be the villain. Uh, yeah. Like, I was like, but oh, here we are. Yeah. It's like, are you in cahoots with that troll? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to leave your husband for that yeah. troll? <laughs> for the troll. <laughs> <laughs> We cut to Sally pulling into the animal shelter. She wrestles with the box on her way in, where I'm sure a tuna-covered general is fighting for his goddamn yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, because that box has been flipped. Yeah. Yes. We pan up to see black smoke coming out of the chimney of the shelter and hear Amanda call out for general. So this is exactly what she threatened. Yeah, I don't think this is a sanctioned place. No, no. It, it's a little concerning. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't have a new Pope yet? Is that what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Amanda standing outside, her pajamas and hair whipping in the wind of an incoming storm. She screams for her cat, and Sally Ann watches this from Amanda's bedroom window. Lightning strikes and thunder cracks in the sky, but Sally Ann turns her attention to picking up the marbles scattered on Amanda's floor. I would be 
screaming, crying, throwing up. Mm-hmm. If I got rid of this cat and Ari is outside yeah. in tears screaming for this cat. You're fucked up, dude. Because she's yeah. just watching like, ah, she's not going to fucking find him. Yeah. Like, it's, it, you're fucked up. Well, can we also talk about you're letting your little daughter outside in the middle of this lightning storm? You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's just bad parenting. Yeah. <laughs> All around. You could have a worse problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would just be devastated. That mm. would rip my heart out because... You're not going to find him. Yeah. I'll let her go for a little while. <laughs> She'll tire herself. Her bedtime's at eight. <laughs> she knows this. Right, this you've is got her time. three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> She's lived here for six years. Yeah. She knows how it goes. <laughs> but she returns the marbles to the jar. But when she sees a tiny bell among them, she looks at it a little closer before tossing it into the jar as well. At the shelter, an attendant, played by Tim Parati, stands outside a room marked Euthanasia Room and inspects the animals in their cages. I felt like that was a lot. Well, it's it's clearly marked if you come in here. (laughs) (laughs) He comes to General's cage and alerts him that it's his big day tomorrow. It hasn't even been a day. No. He clips a red card that says termination with Sally's signature on it to the cage. General presses against the cage with his paw. I'm going to be honest. I don't think this is up to Sally. I don't think she gets to decide. She's like, no, get yeah, them the fuck out of here. This cat needs to be sleeping with the fishes <laughs> instead of eating the fishes. <laughs> well, what story did you tell them? She's like, he he's a murderer. Yeah, he's a brute. Yeah. <laughs> B&E on my home. <laughs> you say he's a brute? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he broke in the house. Yeah. Back at the house, Amanda has turned on Sally Ann. She proposes that General ran away because Sally Ann thought he killed Polly. When Sally Ann tries to explain that cats don't think, Amanda fires back that General does, and he knows that she thinks that cats steal kids' breath. Before Sally Ann can say anything, Amanda runs upstairs. Cats don't think is a wild statement. Yeah. Yeah, it's rude. But in his cage at the shelter, General is woken up by someone coming into the room. It's the attendant coming to give everyone food. He opens the cages one by one to fill their bowls, and a very tired-looking General starts to close his eyes again. He looks pretty bummed out. He looks defeated. Yeah. As the storm rages outside, the troll busts through the wall, making his nightly appearance. He looks up at the closed window and chuckles before wandering around the room. He runs to the door and kicks the door stopper underneath it, stopping it from being open from the outside if anyone were to try. <laughs> He's got a good grasp on how human objects yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been living here, man? No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking now that door stopper is probably like eight feet long. Oh, oh, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Like, that's wild, dude. It is. <laughs> Finished with this, he literally does a gleeful jig before getting back to the matter at hand. Back at the shelter, all of the sweet and perfect cats are being fed. But when the attendant gets to General's cage, he no longer looks tired. General springs into action, bolting from the cage and running past the attendant and out of the room. General runs straight out of the damn building and out into the rain as <laughs> dramatically triumphant music plays. <laughs> well, he is our hero, so. Yeah. <laughs> Easy cat. <laughs> John Paul was like, did we really need that music when he was just running down an alley? And when I got to this point, I couldn't, I could not stop laughing because it is so dramatic. And we cut back and That's forth the thing. between yeah. the room. And every time we see General, it's dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like, oh man, it's so great. It's very, it's very, uh, 
medieval or renaissance and then kind of like whimsical at the same so time i'm like what the fuck is happening what are you going for here? yeah i don't understand is he going to save her or is yeah, he... he's our hero but yeah. he's not on a horse there's no armor on him <laughs> like <laughs> he's like i'm coming a meounder <laughs> but the attendant runs after him and quickly gives up in Amanda's room, the troll grunts as he climbs up the blankets to the top of the bed. When a little feather in his hat accidentally rubs the bottom of Amanda's foot, she kicks at him in her sleep, causing him to crash through a drum on the floor below. I don't know where he's getting <laughs> his outfit. I'd like to talk yeah. about the feather. That's a trophy. That's Polly. Oh, no. Oh, okay. I didn't even put that together. I didn't either. I was like, you piece of shit. <laughs> That whole time, that I is, just thought I was like, dang, he's putting different outfits together. Yeah. This feels good. No, that is <laughs> That's insult. That's evil. Yeah. I, right, I couldn't believe right. it. That is evil. Right. Thank That's you, horrible. Yeah. yeah, that's fucking terrible, I just dude. felt, he was like, oh, I lost a bell. Put a feather. Sure, why not? Because yeah. the bird was green, right? Yeah. That's I, terrible, yeah. man. Yeah, that's, that's hurtful. But he crawls out of the drum, muttering his secret language in frustration before he disappears under the bed. General is coming, though, bringing the triumphant score with him and nearly causing yet another car accident. <laughs> he doesn't care at this point. No. He makes his way onto the property once the troll returns to the bed. He climbs up the tree to get to Amanda's window. The troll, though, is already pulling back the covers and sneering at Amanda's sleeping face. Using his tried and true method, he pinches her nose closed until she's forced to open her mouth. General is blocked by the locked window, but the troll's teeth are ground sharp and his eyes are glowing red. <laughs> he finally starts to get what he came for. Sitting on Amanda's chest, the troll inhales deeply as we watch the breath leave Amanda's body and suck into the troll's mouth. Amanda begins to cough and choke as the troll drains her, but General was not about to be stopped by a pane of glass. The hero cat crashes in through the fireplace, and the troll is immediately pissed. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> You got black lung coming to save her, man. I, he's devoted. He really Santa Claus through this motherfucker. Yes, he did. In there. Santa Paws, but yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> General comes for him, hissing, and Amanda wakes up, trying to catch her breath as a fight ensues. I, okay, again, the demeanor of this troll, <laughs> because he says something to this cat. In English? Yes. Yeah. And I was like, you got to be fucking joking me. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't catch that. As Not soon as they start to fight and he's all, you know, daggery and everything, yeah, yeah. he goes... <laughs> Oh, God. It's your last day. <laughs> to, to, to the cat. He, say, he says this to the cat. See, though, that would, I feel like that'd be more effective if we had them in the beginning and going throughout the story. Oh Absolutely. Because then we have been a. <laughs> yeah. we, we have a rivalry. Yeah. You don't get an action hero line drawn. No. no. <laughs> it's like we met two days ago. <laughs> Who, what are you talking Is yeah. that for me? General's like, I don't know what the hell. <laughs> it's your yeah. last day. Right. I don't know who you are. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and who might you be? Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. <laughs> I did want to point out this epic battle on Amanda's chest mm -hmm. while she's laying in the bed. It's a composite shot of obviously Drew Barrymore 
one of the troll with the you know come on yeah, grease monkey yeah. <laughs> on one side and then one of the cat fighting him on. i think for what they did i think obviously they're not fighting on her chest for no. real mm-hmm. but i don't think it looks bad i think it kind of adds to the charm yeah to me it's it's i mean it's noticeable but it's well, it yeah is, but yeah it's, i don't think drew barrymore should have been put in harm's way of a troll and a cat right. <laughs> and no, let him fight on it yeah. <laughs> just lay there and cough all right <laughs> <laughs> so general has his claws but the troll has that dagger Amanda can't catch the air to scream as the fight on her chest grows more intense, but she finally does, alerting and awaking her parents. She screams for her mom, and the parents come running as she continues to cough and watch the epic battle. I'd be calling my mom, too. Look at this shit. Yeah. Yeah. General is defending my honor, <laughs> fighting for my life. I think we uh, two apologies better happen. Yeah. <laughs> and they better happen right now. <laughs> Real quick, I thought it was so funny when they're running up the stairs to get to Amanda's room, mm-hmm. the dad's already at the door. And while the mom's cutting the corner, you can hear piped in, get out of the way, Amanda. <laughs> He's at the door already. Why would You're you? Right. We got to give her something to make her a little more likable. <laughs> yeah, she's been pretty awful. She's yeah. been terrible. They gave her the villain music. And- yeah, I don't understand why. <laughs> what she was doing was villainous. It was. That's true. That is true. But of course, Sally Ann and Hugh can't get in because of the door stopper. The troll is flung into the glass jar of marbles, but General isn't done coming for that ass. He knocks the jar across the room until it shatters against a dresser. The troll's like, well, time to go home. (laughs) (laughs) He searches for a way out in the baseboards, but General follows him. Amanda doesn't let her parents in. Instead, she cheers for the cat. (laughs) Yeah. It's like doing commentary. General General is briefly deterred, but he keeps following the troll as he climbs onto a dollhouse trying to make his escape. So I do want to point out that when he's attempting to get into the baseboards, Uh there's a dictionary that's blocking his way. And I was like, oh, so you can rip open a birdcage, but you can't can't move a dictionary. It's it's paper. That's true. (laughs) Sure. Sure thing. Can't nudge it. Okay. (laughs) Got it. Using a string of a group of balloons, the triumphant theme <laughs> plays again as the troll is lifted up from the ground. The troll doesn't get the theme. Yeah, you don't I get know. to have that. <laughs> yeah, that was confusing. <laughs> Who am I rooting for? Yeah. Rooting for? <laughs> it's like, oh, he's escaping. Wait, I thought he was bad. Yeah, I don't think he's misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> The cat jumps to get him and knocks the troll into a spin. Sally and Hugh continue to scream at the door and Hugh starts to try breaking it down. The troll, though, has landed on the record player and General turns it on. Every breath you take beginning to play. Amanda prompts him to play it faster. (laughs) (laughs) Every breath you take continuing to play, kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a good thing the general knows exactly how to work the record player because he he listens. The music speeds up and the troll is holding on for dear life as he spins with the record. General turns it even faster and watches as the troll is launched off into a fan. He crashes through and his blood and chunks are sprayed out into the room. Amanda's in awe and goes to scoop up her hero just as her parents are able to bust into the room. Sally Ann cartoonishly demands to know where that cat came from (laughs) and begins to chase Amanda around the room. (laughs) Hugh tries to calm everyone down, finally switching off what has become a chipmunk's rendition of every breath you take. 
I look, I did not remember such a gruesome death for this troll. Yeah. It was pretty rough, dude. And it's pretty fucking gross that they got to go over there and be like, Ew. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Wouldn't it be easier if the cat just like strangled the thing? Strangled. <laughs> he See stole how you the like He stole the breath, breath from it. Yeah. 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 Instead, it's like, oh my God. I, <laughs> this is PG 13. <laughs> I just don't understand why the mom came in like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Right away, it's just like, oh no, it's the fucking cat. Yeah. yeah. That's why you think your daughter's screaming? Yeah. Well, and she's like, get him, General. Like, she's like, who are you rooting for? Yeah. Who's on the other side of the fight? She loves the troll, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. We've determined it. <laughs> they had a lot of plans. Yeah. He was like, I didn't take out this insurance box. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, sign it. <laughs> Amanda frantically tries to explain that it wasn't General that was taking her breath. It was a monster, but General fixed him. <laughs> I don't know if you, you said, but whenever General's fighting this thing, she's like, cream him, cream him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, good lord. Like, she was ready. For, she was wanting blood. Yeah. Like, and she got it. <laughs> General took care of that guy that mom was to be with dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Right. <laughs> Right, troll. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's who troll is yeah, on, your, on your phone? <laughs> <laughs> you saved <laughs> Right, you said it was a scam. Yeah, you yeah. saved under pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but pizza you put his troll? picture. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> I love how he added this fucking I don't know. <laughs> ridiculous subplot. <laughs> Exasperated, Hugh asks where the monster went. Amanda walks him through the trail of General playing the troll on the player until he zoomed across the room and got smushed in the fan. Hugh and Sally inspect the fan to find blood and chunks of the troll along with a perfectly preserved arm. They are both in disbelief, but when Hugh picks up the troll's tiny dagger, they're speechless. Well, hold on, though, because Sally's like, what do you think it is? <laughs> There's uh -huh. a tiny humanoid or non-human arm right there yeah. and a little knife. What do you think happened, Sally? He's like, you I, go, you go, go I think it's your lover, honey. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you going to tell me you don't recognize this? <laughs> Amanda moves the book away from the baseboard. <laughs> the dictionary. The immovable dictionary <laughs> that a child just picked up. <laughs> Dude, she's strong as hell. She could have fought the troll. I don't. Oh yeah. You know. <laughs> Once that breath is in her, dude, she's unstoppable. But she reveals the hole that the troll came out of. She yells at them, saying that that's where it came from, right out of her wall, like she told them. And that's what this fear was: was like the thing under the bed, the boogeyman. That's what this was supposed to be. A little vague. Unless, yeah. Um, Teague has a big fear of trolls that are fucking his mom. He's <laughs> <laughs> stealing his breath wow. in the <laughs> And May's gone. Yeah. Which honestly <laughs> might be. <I> <laughs> with lines like that, might be for the best. <laughs> I was going to say his wife, but I mean, okay. Uh, yeah. I'm dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's funny because he's like no i'm drew barrymore that's yeah <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where i that's yeah. where i fit into this it's a real fear, <laughs> it's a real fear. wow <laughs> it's happening open yeah. your eyes <laughs> wake up <laughs> it's a national concern <laughs> 
But Hugh asks his daughter if the creature was alone, and she confirms that she only ever saw one. Sally Ann is immediately like, we're not going to tell. <laughs> we're not going to tell anyone about this. <laughs> <laughs> but you have evidence. You do. And if if you, if he's worried that there might be more, I think you need to tell yeah. somebody about yeah. this. I thought that was the weirdest fucking reaction. And everybody shut the fuck up. <laughs> like I don't I don't why? I don't understand. Well, it's the guilt know. of cheating, I would assume. Oh yeah. It's like we don't need to talk about this, I don't need to hear about right, it. Look, he's gone now. Yeah. We're right. gonna get past it. I am committed to this family. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she was so fucking irritated. Yeah, she's, she's like, like you're like, going to find him. Yeah. <laughs> she's stressed, man. <laughs> Hugh tries to protest, but she insists and tells Amanda that she cannot tell any of her friends about this. General watches from Amanda's arms as she realizes her position of power. She tells her mother that her silence depends on whether she can keep General and he can sleep with her in her room. Sally Ann tells her daughter that this is blackmail, but Amanda only replies with a smile. She's like, Amanda, that's blackmail. Like she's yeah. too like, yeah, it's like a cheerful about it. Yeah. Sitcom. Yeah. yeah. But we watch from outside of the house as a deal is presumably reached and the light in Amanda's room is turned off. Later that night, in the comfort of his new home, we watch General have a hero's meal of fish. And it's like a full fucking fish. Yeah. It's it. Did the did the cat set all of this up just to get to this house to get the fish? I mean, <laughs> it certainly looks that way. I feel like there's quicker ways to get fish. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna put this family back together. <laughs> Infidelity's gonna tear it apart. <laughs> That's what he was seeing in the window. Oh yeah. <laughs> She's like, please. <laughs> It was the 80s. It's about yeah. the nuclear family yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Reagan era bullshit. See, it makes more sense. You're not allowed to like your family in the 80s. Right. Oh, they yeah, yeah. They told us at the very beginning. That's the main theme of this yeah. thing, of this that's picture. That's the fear. Yeah, it's that's the real your fear. family. <laughs> but when General sees a shadow, he climbs the stairs and enters Sally Ann and Hugh's bedroom. Now, I don't know what he saw because it does not come back into play. Yeah. Also true, yeah. But he jumps onto the bed and walks between the sleeping couple where Amanda slumbers. He sits on her chest in perfect breath-stealing position. But instead, he gives Amanda a small kiss. This wakes her up and peaceful music plays as she is clearly excited to see him and sets her hands on him lovingly. So what did you guys think of General? Or the general. Well, I thought that was going to be a heel turn that we did not expect. Man, yeah. wouldn't that have been fucking wild? Yeah. He just turns to the camera like the end of Thriller. No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know. You, if you do that, you got to commit to the, the cat dancing. Oh, you, have to, yeah. you have yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this one was fun. I think yeah. that when people think of Cat's Eye, this is the segment that they think of. Well, this is my favorite. I can see that yeah. for sure. I mean, I love the cat getting such prominent. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they, we love the cat. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, the closure to this story that's been he's been visited by ghostly apparitions. Yeah. 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 All film. And so we finally get to understand <laughs> what the hell's going on. Uh, you know, I like it. Don't like the troll. Uh, don't care for him <laughs> made, made, you've made that clear well he's breaking up a happy home yeah, yeah maybe yeah. that's what's really hurting it for me <laughs> 
but I mean, it's fun. And also the technical work that went into it is pretty good too. Yeah. But back to the main film, the credits roll and <laughs> Cat's Eye by Ray Stevens plays. And I've not been, well, you know what? Uh, the credits of Deep Blue Sea. Okay. Yeah. The last time I was this um, tickled by a, a, a credits theme, a credit song that was clearly made specifically <laughs> for this film. Well, there's a line about taking your breath away, and I was like, "Oh, you wrote this?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for this. For this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got about thirty seconds. And I was like, "Okay, that's enough." Oh and no, I you got to listen to the whole thing, just like the Pet Cemetery song no, no. on Pet Cemetery. You don't have to. You can. It's a choice. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's we a, all have choices. Yeah, it's encouraged, but <laughs> right, not necessary. <laughs> But I have to ask, what did you guys think of Cat's Eye? I enjoyed this movie. I um, thinking about it now, I I know um, that Creepshow was a long time ago and all that. Mm-hmm. But I do, I don't think that that this lives up to a Creepshow. Um, but it is very fun. I do like it. I won't say it's a strong anthology for me. I, I will say to watch it, though, if you've never seen it, watch the movie. Definitely watch this movie because it is something that needs to be watched. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. The The middle story felt kind of like it didn't belong here. Maybe if we had a different story. I, I do feel a little weird about the end story being the main story to tie them together. Um <laughs> I, but I mean, it, it, it. It's also my favorite story. Of yeah. The, so it's like, okay, I, you know, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did enjoy this movie. I, I, it's not a bad movie. I and I agree. The technical side of it and all that is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know quite where to put my hand on it. But I, I didn't enjoy this as much as I thought I would. Mm. I have a lot of nostalgia for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that powers a lot of it. I will say watching it as an adult, it is a different experience. Okay. It yeah. is. It is. Um, but I mean, the, but it's more just also watching it for the show. Yeah. That tends to change things sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I don't have as much nostalgia for it as I do for a creep show. Right, mm-hmm. right. But I feel like this is still a lot of fun. I do appreciate a lot of the work that went into it. Mm-hmm. The ledge for it to look as good as it does. Yeah. yeah. Like 40, almost 40 years later. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the composite shots with him fighting this troll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, And I mean, you know, where can you go wrong with a film starring a cat? Yeah, literally. That's like they did this on purpose for me. Yeah. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, I I think that the thing that gets me is the I understand his idea of a theme Mm -hmm. with fear. Right. Really feel it. Loose. No, I agree. You know, I don't feel I didn't know that at all because I didn't feel it. It didn't come through. I wouldn't have gotten that unless I was told. Yeah. And I was told. So thank you. Yeah. (laughs) You're very welcome. Um. I think that we kind of went story by story, our thoughts. So, I mean, I feel like it is, like you said, T, a different experience watching this as an adult because you kind of realize that the cohesiveness is kind of not there. Hmm. Um, aside from the fact that it, <laughs> through the cat's eye, you know, the, the cat seeing all the shit. Um, I do think just solely on its um, 
like the seriousness kind of of the second one it it does feel a bit out of place mm-hmm. i do still enjoy it i enjoy the story i enjoy the adaptation here but it does feel a little bit out of place because i feel like the third one is 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 silly you know yeah um the first one it deals with extremely serious subject matter but it is presented in a very silly way yes so i know that Kressner was like having his fun or whatever but it does not have the same amount of you know, there's a giant pack of cigarettes flaunting itself around this party. It, uh-huh. it doesn't feel the same. Um, if he, if Norris fell off the building and came back as a ghoul, it's a creep show segment. A yeah. thousand percent. A thousand percent. Um, but I do still have a lot of love for this. I have a lot of nostalgia for it. I'm really glad that the Patreon picked it because I have wanted to do this one for a while. Oh, yeah. And I just I feel like it's still so much fun. Mm-hmm. And like depending on what you are comfortable or not comfortable with your kids watching, I feel like this is a family horror film. But I think we can kind of go into ratings. Sure. Because we have already talked about, you know, our mm. thoughts. Um, I do want to start this off by saying, and again, I know that you shouldn't be comparing films to other films, but this is a Stephen King anthology and Creepshow was our very first episode. And I think that we at that time, and we've talked about this a lot, we're really trying to kind of zoom out and take a more um, unbiased view when we were giving our ratings. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that we all rated Creepshow a seven kind of makes my stomach hurt. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if we covered that today, it would, for me, at least be a nine. At oh, least. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, But I, I wanted to address that before we get into this, the way that we rate things now, because in no way do I feel that Cat's Eye is superior to Creepshow. No. But I am, I feel like we've allowed ourselves to be a little more, to me, this is a blank, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, having said all that, I do, like I said, have a lot of nostalgia for this. It will always be just a film that I can throw on and it, it, I enjoy it. I still like it. It, it's not (laughs) as effective as it was when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. obviously, but, and again, (laughs) the cohesion of the stories really does fall apart if you look at it for too long, (laughs) but I feel like it is a lot of fun and, I'm glad that we got this because it kind mm. of feels like a lot of like handshakes were done to for this to even exist. Mm-hmm. And so a Stephen King anthology that's a little bit silly <laughs> that has a tiny creature feature at the end starring Drew Barrymore is a gift. Oh, yeah. It's a gift and I'm thankful for it. Um but again, this is not the film to watch if you're trying to be scared, if you're trying to have a, a creep show experience. It's not the same thing. I feel like this is a lot more lighthearted. It's just fun. It's just mm-hmm. a fun movie. Um, so all that being said, on a scale from one to ten, fearless felines <laughs> with all the love in the world <laughs> for every cat involved and for this film as a whole, I am giving cat's eye. out of 10 fearless felines. I think that this film is an absolute blast. And while it doesn't 100% hold up in every aspect, I feel like if this is something that you watched as a kid and you haven't watched it since, you're still going to love it. Mm -hmm. But I will now open up the floor to you. So for me, I think it's the things that you stated for me, it, it stuck out a little more. When the first segment, I felt confused because I was like, I should be loving this, Mm -hmm. but I don't. I was like, I'm not. 
And I think that you're absolutely right. That's what it was. It was a very serious topic, but you played it for silly. Yeah. And it was like, I don't, if maybe if you were a little sillier about it and you didn't include such seriousness behind this, maybe it would have came off a little more silly and I would have been like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing here. But then follow that into what's happening in the second one. And then the cat thing that we barely get any <laughs> of in between. And then the end is when we do figure out what's going on with the cat. And then to really think, you spent almost 10 hours traveling to get to this family. <laughs> you went through two different stories yes. where you burnt off as soon as you got a chance. Well, so rightfully so. Well, no, yeah, but I mean... Could we have just not <laughs> caught the train straight over there from the beginning? Or well, he, like, he's like, look, there's <laughs> there's, journey. there's a certain <laughs> route I need. <laughs> yeah. But it, but that all that to say that it, it, I feel like the it is a good movie. But those things did kind of hurt it for me. And watching it as an adult and for that, I was like, man, because I remembered loving the shit out of this movie. I yeah. told you that before. But then watching it for the show, I was like, oh, man, this doesn't have that punch as much as it did, like you said, when you're a kid. It's funny to me every time you mention, I know this is, I know I should like this. It reminds me of when Bart sold his soul and he's watching it, <laughs> you scratching. He's like, I know that's funny, but I'm not laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, I would recommend anyone to watch this. I don't think that it's something that should be missed or skipped. Mm -hmm. um, same thing. And I agree with you on the creep show uh, thing of it. Um, but again, for me, I'm, I, I didn't want to compare this to creep show. So I, I, I think I'm going to stick with my score okay. um, that I had. So for me on a scale of one to 10, Fearless felines, mm -hmm. I'm going to give Cat's Eye a 6.5. I did enjoy it, but I'll be honest, watching it as an adult, I was there. I mean, there's a couple of things that were kind of funny. Uh -huh. But other than that, I mean, I, I was like, okay, you know, I'll wait a little bit before I watch it again. Uh -huh. <laughs> so to me, if, if I do feel that kind of way, it's like, all right, then, you know, it wasn't bad, but it, it I can wait a little bit. You know what I mean? I'll wait a while before I pop it back on. <laughs> I can understand that. And I, I think for me, there's just the power of uh, it kind of being a bit of a comfort film. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For having watched it so many times at such a young age. Mm -hmm. Even though now, like watching it, there are seg there are not segments because I, I think there's something good in every segment. Mm -hmm. Right, right. But there are parts of each segment that I'm like, what? <laughs> 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 really? That's what you just, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that smoking hallucination. I'm like, well, this isn't for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that troll, uh, definitely not. You know what I realized? Here's what it is it's not that I don't like tiny creatures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do depending i think that for me they just always tend to make them really silly that is yeah. true who do you like besides the zuni fetish oh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head um yeah i got nothing but i'm sure something will arrive right in right. my brain um do the puppets from dead silence count 
No. All right, then. They're, I got not, <laughs> they're not tiny creatures. They're pretty tiny, and they are, they're alive, dude. Well, not really. But kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's living through the dolls. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> Move on. All right. We'll get, get off the dead side. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that's a great movie. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, for me, um, everything I said you know still stands but and honestly i feel like if it weren't for that nostalgia i probably would be joining you with a 6.5 mm-hmm. but because of this warmth that i get from rewatching it right right and the amount of fun you know that is still there to be had yeah yeah and i have to admit i feel like i i don't i know i'm not the only one at the table who enjoys it but i think i might like the ledge uh, a lot more than I realize because every single time I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forget this one's here. Yeah, I think yeah. it, it sticks with you, that feeling when you first watch it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Even though he does get a, he scales that building very quickly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was very fast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our memory is a little clouded. For some reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that was not, why did you bet 2000? <laughs> or why did you bet anything? I was like, anybody could it wasn't do that. It wasn't hard at all. Yeah. 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 It's like walking in a straight line. What the hell? <laughs> Minus the bird pecks and think it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and of course the cat. We always, we, we love cats here. Oh, yeah. So um, a film featuring a cat for a big chunk of it is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, the factor of the animal training, that 12 cats. Yeah. Hell you know? yeah. It's really seamless. Yeah. yeah. Whenever they switch, like, I feel like I'm watching the same cat <laughs> yeah. for the whole fucking mm-hmm. movie, we're, honestly. We're bonding with this cat. Yes. Yeah. I love this cat. Yeah. And, you know, we already talked about the technical aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And the way that they use those miniatures for the ledge is impressive. Yeah. yeah and what they did with the bedroom in general. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. Uh, so for me, out of 10 fearless felines, I think I'm going to give Cat's Eye... Well, I don't think I'm actually going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give Cat's Eye a 7 out of 10 because yeah. I did have fun. All right. And uh, I will watch it again. For sure. This might mm-hmm. look away when that troll comes up. <laughs> 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 well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Cat's Eye and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Thank you again to Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, be very careful when entering into questionable agreements. Once that cat is out of the bag... It's not going back in. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Woo! Yeah! Yeah, yeah woo! Yeah, very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> and meow, a special thank you to... <laughs> Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez... Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Eggy, William Barry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, 
Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman Wise, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jason Kyle OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Hagetta, William and Zena Rush, Ryan Brom, Megan Ochoa, Laura Lassiter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Megan M, Strangely Sarah, Christy Beck, Nancy and Andy, Amanda Lopez, Andy Terrell, Jason Hanavan, ML Tafoya, Abigail Spitzer, Katie K, Erica Morin, Cameron S, Nicole Stewart, Tris Wynn, K.87, Mariah Jensen, Carrie A, Lonnie Lono, Powell, Kayla E, Maggie H, Fernando Dominguez, Murderstina, No Thanks Tom Hanks, Kevin McGonagall, Kristen Marcy, Ori81 Boricua, Look Like That One Girl, Bog Boy, Montez Shamwell, Felnez63, Alita Pui, Probably My Jugs, Kate Thackeray, Wade Pack, Charlie V, A Lizard, Bryant Watson, Luke Ashley, Jay Rich, Jen Lassiter, Topher Williams, Elena Mettler, Neil Chesson, Valerie Kay, Kim Sterling, Christy Lee Kruger, Professor of Humanities, Laura McCarricker, Naomi, Josh Smith, Autumn Green, Jess L., and Eat Cell. What a list. (laughs) Yes. That's amazing. Thank you all so much. And I got to tell you, each and every one of you, truly breathtaking. Oh. All right. Not in the troll way. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Because we hate that troll. (laughs) 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 Until next time.